Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. Do you have a, a perspective shift, right? Okay. Um, I, I love the teaching. I actually, I'm, of course, you know, everyone loves their own books, right? Um, I do love the teachings because I feel like it's fun for me that the Lord allows me to get what could be very um, hard to explain revelation, but he allows me to make it simple. So is there any questions that, that maybe you're thinking, it wasn't quite so simple for me last night. I, I think it was, but I mean, sometimes I, I might need to clarify something. Does anybody want me to clarify about first, second, third heaven? That always makes me nervous when I ask for questions because I didn't go to college for to be a pastor. I got thrown into it. People ask me, you know, when did... Um, how did you start with the deliverance ministry? I said, well, the funny story or the, the, you want the funny story or the story that, you know, we tell people, oh, give me the funny one. Okay. When my husband and I were in our early twenties, we were at a church and we took a neighbor to church because she needed deliverance. And in the middle of church, we kept hearing, I hate God. <laughs> and they're throwing things and they're jumping on her. And you can hear all this while church is going on. And my husband and I were getting lower and lower in the pew because they all knew we brought her. And I told the Lord in my 20s, I will do anything for you but deliverance. <laughs> and here I am. Here I am. Yes. So Okay. How to get there. Wonderful. Thank you. Because I, I don't want you to walk away and think, what a great teaching. I want you to walk away and know I can, I can do this, right? Okay, so thank you. Some examples. Um, for me, because I'm such a feeler, and I think a lot of people are feelers, um, not just because I am, but I, when I talk about it and people start realizing, oh, I get it, the, you feel the weight or you, you feel the oppression, okay? I, I know when I feel the oppression that I'm, I'm here underneath the second heaven. And so um, an easy way to do it is simply, okay, God, and let me, uh, if I'm just sitting, I'm like, okay, Lord, oh, I feel the heaviness around me, the spirit of heaviness. So God, you did not give me a spirit of fear. I'm underneath this. So I renounce fear. I, I just break off. Do I have any unforgiveness in my heart? Is there bitterness? Okay, Lord, if, if, if that's done and or if I need to repent, and then I just say, pick me up, Daddy, is what I do. I'm just like, pick me up. And you can feel yourself actually move up from, you know, and you might not feel yourself go like this, but you'll feel the thing lift off of you, right? And then you'll be able to say, okay, from that perspective, show me what's going on. So a lot of times um, you will feel it in the perspective shift. So you might not even feel yourself, you should always feel it lift off you because um, 
because you had something on you. I don't know how to say that. Um, but even if you don't feel that, but then all of a sudden your perspective is shifting and you're able to see it from his perspective, then you know, oh, I'm in the third heaven. One of the themes, um, so that was intro and chapter one uh, yesterday. Obviously not all of it. We're going to do um, chapters in two and three, I think, today. But part of what we do in chapter two is um, the battle of the mind and the I messages that we get and how um, we, you know, Joyce Myers has a book, The, the Battlegrounds of the Mind, um, and then Francis Frangipane, The Three Battlegrounds of the Mind, right? Three Battlegrounds? Okay. Anyway, I got them all jumbled together. Um, but there's so much of our warfare goes on in here. And if the enemy can get us to get stuck here, then we are not going to find ourselves seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, and so if I'm looping in my brain, you know, we used to call that a, like a cassette tape. People have no idea what that is anymore. So, you know, the playlist in your brain, you know, you can say that, that, that is looping you, then you are definitely down here. And so it's like, okay, Lord, um, you gave me power, love, and a sound mind. And that sound mind isn't a loop that keeps me. And so um, let me just expound on this because I wasn't going to do that part of the chapter. So let me just expound on this. We go into more of the sozo realm, you know, like the lies we believe. So um, <laughs> um, there's, sure that, let me just say, I didn't pray yet. So let me just say, Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Papa. Yeah, Lord, we just bind all influence of the enemy. You know, I actually ask um, that you would put a, a almost like a dome around us that the enemy can't listen in, that he can't hear our strategies, and he can't um, attack us here or as we leave because we're protected and we're under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, there we go. Oh, <laughs> we'll just tuck up under the shadow. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So, so much of, um, again, the battle that keeps us here on in the first realm is, is against the mind. It's the thoughts you're thinking. It's, and the whole idea of the shifting of atmospheres is, is it coming at me or is it something that I'm releasing myself? Right. And if it's if it's a broadcast, like if second heaven is giving us this revelation and I'm just going to use hatred because it is fear is obvious, too. But hatred, um, spirit of division. I mean, it is bizarre what's going on in the world today. If if you're liberal or if you're um, conservative, I mean, it's like families are being torn apart by hatred of these polar it's the word polarization is the word I'm whoa, looking for. I think that spirit of polarization has been released and picked up by everyone, in almost everyone. And so if, like, if I'm over here and I'm like, well, I just can't stand what that person's doing, I'm down here, right? And maybe I think I'm smart enough and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to fight my, my cousin or whoever this is that's, that's saying this stuff. So I'm going to get up here, okay, well, I come against that spirit of whatever, but I'm still angry. Then I'm not in third heaven. 
I'm boxing, right? And so we need to say, okay, Lord, I can feel the spirit of polarization. And I, in my shifting atmospheres, I, I see you, I hear you, it's, it's coming at me. And God, I just turn that channel. I'm not going to partner with it. But as I don't partner with it, I need you to help me understand, Papa, your, your prayer right now for our nation or our world. Do you see, then it gets you out of, it takes you out of fighting people. It takes you out of fighting the demonic and you're asking the Lord for strategies. That's how you know where you are. Okay. If you're still angry in your prayer, get to the seat of love. That's very, very important. And it was interesting because when Bill Johnson was talking about, you know, there's a difference between faith and belief. I thought that was interesting. And then he talks about you can have faith, great faith, and you can have seeds of unbelief in your heart at the same time. And he says you have to get rid of the seeds of unbelief, right? And, time, and Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation, you know, it's like, how long do I have to put up with you? And it's like, okay, there's, there's a lot about belief, and I've always thought of those as the same. You know, faith is opposite of unbelief, but Bill was like, the other day, he was like, you can have great faith and have the seed of unbelief in there. And he was saying that when the seed is on the ground, okay, you just flick it away. But when it's taken root, you have to actually renounce. You have to, and that's what the Sozo ministry looks at. What's the mindset? What's the root down inside? And some of what we're going to talk about later um, today. So I've got this morning, I was going to talk about the body, soul, spirit, how we protect ourselves in all three areas. And then the next thing was flesh versus soul wounds. Because to stay free, there's different weapons for the attacks that are coming, right? Different attacks you have. So um, I guess for me, if I'm angry, I'm not seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Now, there's a righteous anger, but it feels different. And we were just in the car, and I was, I was talking about something that I feel is just God. Um, I have a situation going on in my life where I pulled Jesus aside, you know, like Bill says. When, when you're, what you're doing doesn't work, it's your opportunity, like the disciples to say, Tell us in private why that didn't work, you know. And there's a situation where someone has mental illness and we prayed for him and the power of God fell on him, knocked him to the ground three or four times. Definitely three. I don't want to overstate it, but I think four. And I could feel just the power of God just boom. Um, and he was on the ground repenting. The power of God was so strong on him. And I walked away thinking, it's done. And the next day he was checked into a mental ward. And I'm like, something's not right. You know, so it's like, okay, Jesus, I'm not mad at Jesus. I'm not mad at the, the demon. I'm like, I'm taking Jesus aside. And inside of it, I'm like, what is wrong? What's wrong with my formula? What's wrong with my belief? What, there's something wrong because God has got to be bigger than mental illness. You see who that is? So in that example, I could stay here and I could be like, well, that guy just needs to do this, 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 and this. Okay, but then I'm... I'm playing in this world. Or I can go here and I can say, well, I just need to have more authority over that. No, I have all authority. You have all authority. Our authority is not the issue, right? Um, and then I get up into the heavenlies. Either God, is there unbelief in my heart? What do I need to know? You know, is, and what, what happened there? You know, and, and sometimes you don't get a good answer right away. I love it when, you, when the disciples ask Jesus questions. He seldom answers their questions. <laughs> 
You know, he actually goes off into this whole other um, thing, right? And but it, it, he is teaching us, and so it's like, what what do I need to know? And so, um, so there are seeds that keep us here that we can flick off. For me, it's basically when a seed is hit just right on the ground, it's this atmosphere shift you need to do. It's like, oh, I see you rage. I'm just not going to partner with you. I'm just going to flick you off, right? But if I've partnered with the rage, then I need to repent, right? So let's just take this world right now for what's going on. You guys probably feel ignored because I'm looking this way. Um, What's going on in the world today? I mean, how many of you have felt angry, right? Um, I would guarantee you most of it's not righteous, right? It's because we're just angry. It's like, this is ridiculous what's going on. And, you know, whichever side you're on, I'm asked, not masked. There's no masking here, so I'm probably safe. Um, um, but it's, it's just, there's a, an, un, there is an underlying anger that is like trying to, to um, be like a volcanic stream underneath us, right? And it wants to us to erupt. And so when we see that, then we need to take that to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, that is proof that I'm not seated with you in the heavenly realms because you are not angry right now. If he was angry, we would be seeing some changes and stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. I watched a, I'm a Trekkie, total Trekkie. And I was watching a a show one time um, where, you guys know what Trekkie is? Okay. You know, Long prosper. Um, anyway, uh, I was watching a show one time with Star Trek, and I can't do it justice, but it just blew my mind that this this character was a god. Okay, and he was hiding on this planet because he was a god, and he was uh, afraid of his power because he had something had happened, and he had thought about this person that had harmed someone that he cared for. And his thought erased the entire race. And it's like, no, it didn't just like, oh, you know, you're dead. It was like it, it removed the entire race of those people because of his thought, because he was God. And I, and I thought, I'm so glad I'm not God. There would be so few people on this planet. <laughs> yeah, true that, huh? Anyway, so... So there's, there's, you know, whatever's pure, whatever's holy, whatever's right, dwell on these things. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, self-control, those are evidence of being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And when I don't have those as my perfume, then I'm not actually seated there. And to be honest, I have to concentrate on being seated there. Because you do live in this world. I mean, you know, have you ever met someone, we say, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. So years ago, I worked, I was a manager at, um, at a fast food restaurant, and we had someone come through the drive-thru so angry because there was no hamburger on her hamburger. <laughs> it was just bun, and, you know, because the guy was so, yeah, Jesus, and he's cooking, and he forgot to put the hamburger meat on the hamburger. I'm like, dude, I really like you, but you've got to be able to put a hamburger on the bun. Um, You know, so, I mean, we can't just live up here and not be any earthly good. But we do need, we are, we are dimensional. You know, like, it was funny, um, 
you're going to get a little bit of my bent. So my dad had his second Pfizer shot and paralyzed. So he was half, um, he had a stroke and he's just half paralyzed. Okay, and that was about uh, maybe three months ago, four months ago now. And he's, he's working hard, you know. But um, I was talking to my dad and I said, well, you know, dad, I said, you know, as a believer, he's not yet a believer. He's fighting hard not to be. Um, he's a really good man, which makes it hard sometimes, you know. It's like, well, what do I need God for? Oh, because uh, you're paralyzed? Um, that would maybe be something. But anyway, um, but I, um, I was talking to him. I said, you know, trying to explain to my dad miracles. And, you know, he's heard the stories because I, I just tell the stories anyway. And um, he, he honors me. He believes me. He even, you know, helps with my ministry with uh, finances, which is like, yay, that's fun. Um, but I tried to explain to him. I said, you know, Dad, as a, as a believer, we live in two dimensions. You know, we live here in this dimension because my dad's a sci-fi guy. And I said, but we also have an, another dimension that we live in. And I said, and it's like we can go into that other dimension and we can grab you a new body and we can bring it back. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's just like not believing me. He says, well, that would be interesting. But, but it is how it works. It's like there, there are body parts in heaven that are just sitting there. They're there. And sometimes I'm frustrated because I'm like, God, I can see them. I just don't know how to get them here. Does that make sense? I mean, because we live in, we do. It, like, if you're a sci-fi person, you understand what I'm saying. Others like, she's so weird. But we live in two dimensions. And we need to understand those dimensions. And so to get into the third heaven is actually to, to change dimensions in, in your thought process and in who you are. And um, so staying there is is interesting in the middle of living in this dimension as well. Yeah, does that make sense? Okay. Probably muddied it up. You had a question? I was just wondering if you could give me a date when you were captured. First, second heaven? The first heaven and second heaven. Yep. Okay, so first heaven, um, we don't really... It's just because if there's a third, there's got to be a second and a first, right? So the first heaven would be the physical realm, which we're not actually calling this heaven. So you have to kind of be careful with that, right? Um, but that would be we're in this realm. So here's the first realm would be the physical realm is what you see, right? The second realm would be the spiritual realm where, the, uh, for me, that's where the angelic and the demonic do battle for you, right? And so... It's where, um, it's where the broadcasts are coming from the demonic realm where I talk about in shifting in atmospheres. When you are feeling great here, you have no um, hatred in your heart, and then you walk outside and you go through something and all of a sudden you feel the hatred, you hear the hatred. This is in the Shifting Atmospheres books that you're like, oh, wait a minute, there's a broadcast, there's a radio station that's broadcasting something, and it's not coming from God, then that would be the second heaven. And when you hear prophecies, oh, that's second heaven revelation, it means that they're hearing in the demonic realm what to pray for you, but it always has a bent. So it can be the right word, but it has a bent. Does that make sense? You're looking like, oh, dear Jesus, no. Well, have, okay, here's, here's second heaven revelation and a prophecy. And the, the Lord is, is broadcasting from third heaven, right? So he's always broadcasting, but who do we listen to is interesting. You can filter a second heaven prophetic revelation by the 
be bent to it. Okay, so let's say God is saying, um, I love you, you're loved, you're beloved. Um, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. I love you, you know, just come to me. That's what Jesus is saying here. And it filters through, and I pick up that, but I filter it through the second heaven. God loves you, you know, you just need to repent. And, you know, he's going to receive you. That's second heaven revelation because it has <clears throat> to it. Well, no, Jesus loves you. I mean, yes, you're going to have to repent, but you can feel that. <clears throat> I have, there's a woman that prophesies over me, and I'm just like, whenever she comes, I'm like, don't prophesy, don't prophesy. But I, I learned to filter out that her words are true, but there's always that <clears throat> at it of you need, if, if you did better, then this word will come true. Yeah, so I, and I, and she's been right on, spot on. I just have to walk away and shake off, dust off the garbage that came with it. Um, so it's very interesting, but every time she starts to prophesy, I'm like, okay, Lord, show me what, what's second heaven, what's first, what's third heaven revelation. And so for me, in my brain, I can see it as like layers, let's say three layer cake, right? So you've got this. And so the, the layer down here is the physical realm where we walk, we breathe, we sleep. The second realm is um, where I believe the angels and the demons are doing battle. It's where the um, demonic is broadcasting from. And third heaven is where um, Jesus is seated with the Father on the throne. And it's the kingdom revelation. This is where you hear, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's what our job is to bring this dimension here. Right? Okay. Good. Any other clarifications? Okay. All right. Well, this week, the verse for this week, it's on page 56. So it's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Well, we, we are created in God's image. Yes? Okay. And because we are created in his image, he is a triune being right? He is Father God. He is Jesus. He is Holy Spirit. It's one of my favorite aspects of Sozo is to not only to bring deliverance and to get rid of the lies, and but to also connect you to Father God, to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I, we were talking about the last time I was here, I talked about stepping through Jesus to the Father. And I said, I can prove in scripture that the disciples who were with Jesus all the time still carried the orphan spirit. And that if we stay at the door of Jesus, my husband coined this phrase years ago, we stay at the door of Jesus, we can actually stay orphans if you don't get through Jesus to the Father, right? And Jesus said, I came to show you the Father, right? So I didn't just come to save you, but I came to re rechange. that's not the right word, I came to give you a different mindset about the Father, Right, And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so this, this mean God that punishes everyone, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm changing your view of who that Father is because you've seen me. You've seen compassion. You've seen love. 
So now you know that is of the Father, because my Father and I are one, right? Okay. So body, soul, and spirit is our triune nature. If we are created in his image as triune, and I say, then we are also triune. No, we're not God, but we are have a three-part. We have a body, a physical body, right? We have a soul, a mind, will, and emotion, and we have a spirit. Okay, that's our three parts. And it shouldn't surprise us then to understand that the enemy is attacking you in all three areas. <laughs> I, I spoke yesterday about COVID and I said, okay, guys, COVID is a virus. The virus is going after your body, but there's also a demon attached to this thing or can be attached. It's not always attached. And that is actually going after your mind and your spirit. So we, we battle differently, okay? And we're gonna look at what, how to battle appropriately. Because if you understand the battle you're in, you have a better chance at grabbing the right weapons. Right? Okay. So here we go. Where this can, I love, I, I have the best job on the planet um, because when you're actually fit into what you're called to do, you come alive. I have a, a woman who turned 90 who still works with me. Her name is Nita. She's our grandma. And she's been with me for 25 years. And she said she had to wait till her late 60s to find out what she was born for. And she's phenomenal. It was so funny. Um, I had this young man go in, and, and Nita came out and got her. And, and you could see the look on his face like, oh, great, I got this old lady. <laughs> and he came out later and says, oh, I went in, and I thought, great, I got the old lady. He says, but I'm so glad I have the old lady. You know, and um, she just, nothing phases her. She's like, I'm grandma, right? It's like, I've seen all the demons. I've, I've had everyone hiss at me. It doesn't bother me. You know, it's like, shut up, move over. Here we go, you know? And they said, and, and people can't tell grandma no, right? It's like, I won't do that. Really? Grandma said, okay, I'll do it. I'll repent, you know? It's just really funny. <laughs> so um, a lot of what I teach on has come from Sozo. Like, I've been in sessions, and we've learned over the season, like, what, that's where Shifting Atmospheres first came from. It's like, there's something going on in this that I need to fix before people get set free. And I tell people when I train Sozo that you can win or lose your session in the first five minutes. If I can't come out from under what you're carrying, I will be battling from, the, from this position, from my earthly position, and I'm not able to get up into the heavenlies where you need to be for your freedom right? Um, one of my favorite examples is I had just had this amazing sozo, and it was so fun, and I mean, it was almost like, I don't know if you guys remember the old Snow White, the old one that, you know, wasn't terrifying with this, anyway, <laughs> Melissa Penn or whatever, so, ah! I'm like, oh, wow, this is supposed to be a kid's movie, anyway, um, and remember when Snow White is out in the middle of the snow, and she's got all these animals around, and it's like, oh, you know, she's just like, oh, so this lady gets so set free. As she's walking out, I actually see in my mind the Snow White picture. Oh, you know, she's just so excited, you know. And, um, and so I'm thinking, God, you, you did a miracle again. Again, you did a miracle. And, um, and sometimes I get done with a session and I just have tears because I'm like, God, I can't believe you pulled that off. I mean, I know you can. And I, I have an expectancy you will. But I'm still shocked sometimes that he does because of the damage that's been done here by people on earth and then here by what you believe and agree with, right? And yet God still 
overcomes and brings miracles, and it's just crazy. And, and I just sit back sometimes and just at awe. And so we just had this lady walk out. God's doing miracles. And I, this man comes in, shakes my hand, sits down. He says, yeah, I don't see, I don't feel, I don't hear. It's kind of like good luck, right? And I'm like, okay. And then I said, well, tell me about yourself. And he's like, yeah, well, I've had this ministry, that ministry, this ministry. I'm still broken. Oh, I'm thinking, Wow. You know, God, you, you, you can do a miracle. I think you can do a miracle. And then he starts talking about, yeah, I've had this person lay hands on me, this, all, all the great people that I just were like, and, you know, who am I compared to these people? And I'm like, oh, I hope you can do a miracle. And, you know, by the time he's done talking, I'm thinking, I honestly heard my, my brain say, great. Thank you, Jesus. You brought me the one man on the planet you can't heal. Ah, this is his atmosphere. This is what he's projecting. This is his belief. If I don't shift that belief, I will be fighting his belief system the entire session. And yeah, it might work, but probably it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take an epiphany in the middle of it for him to shift through that, right? And so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, I'm thinking, how do you encourage yourself? What are we going to do? And I said, well, and I'm just about to say, well, at least he didn't mention he's had a sozo. And it's not because, you know, of course, I love sozo. I think it's the best because it's mine, right? You know, it's like your kids are the best, right? Okay, just saying. And, and I, but I don't, I know all other ministries. I love them. I'm in groups with them. You know, I'm, I'm with the leaders of a lot of the ministries, inner healing ministries. So it's not like I know we're the only one. Their other places are great. He's listed them off. And, you know, as he's listing them, I'm thinking, oh, great, because they're good ministries. But I've been trying to encourage myself. So now, well, at least he hasn't had a sozo. Maybe we'll hit it from a different angle. And he says, and in case you think sozo's any different, I've had three and I'm still, they failed. So what's he doing? He's proving to me his mindset. And I'm coming under the impossibility. But God just did a miracle. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, what am I going to do? And I actually heard myself. So my spirit spoke up. And I heard myself chuckle. I'm like, <laughs> and he said, what's so funny? And I'm like, I don't know what's so funny. Um, <laughs> and I'm said. Um, well, I can't let you down. Yeah. And he sits back, he's shocked, because he's waiting for me to go against everything he believes, you know? And he's shocked at my, oh, well, I can't let you down, right? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, dude, we can only go up from here. <laughs> and it shifted something where he was like, it's true. We can only go up. I mean... I, I'd love to tell you he had a home run. I'm a ball player, um, still a ball player at almost 60. Which, yes. Um, but I would have loved to have said it was a home run, but I think we bunted him and he limped to first base, but he got there, right? And he was, so he'd been striking out at the plate for years. And so, you know, I saw him probably three times in the next few years, and every time it was higher and higher and higher. But I had to shift come out from under. So I was feeling his second heaven belief system and I had to come up here and I needed to bring him to that place, right? Uh, and, you know, so it's important that we understand 
those situations to go, okay, I'm going to win this because we're going to shift in the first few minutes what you believe that God can do. And it is interesting, Bill Johnson will say sometimes people will come up to him and he says, what are we praying for? And they'll get, start giving him the list and, the, and he'll say, wait a minute, you know, let's just start here. And what he's actually doing is he's stopping them before he says their unbelief gets on me. Yeah. Right? And he's like, let's just take care of this and then, you know, we'll go from there. So, okay. So the funny part of all of that is that this also, the, the warring with wisdom came in Sozo. So I love how God has allowed me to get those shifting atmospheres came and this one. So a woman comes in and she sits down and she's exhausted. Okay. Now, when people come in for a sozo, um, I write on the paper, Father God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, because I'm going to send them home with notes. And the notes are what Father God, what Jesus and Holy Spirit said to you, right? So that you actually have something you can take back. Because we've learned now with brain science, it takes about 60 days to change habits. We tell people, read what you got from the Lord, ponder it, pray into it for the next 30 to 60 days so that your mindsets have a new pathway, right? Okay, and we'll go into that later too. Um, and But before this lady walks in, I put on my, my paper, body, soul, and spirit. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And I'm thinking, I have no idea why I'm doing this. I've never done it before. I've never done it since. But I have enough paper that if I'm wrong, you know, we'll just get right, right down Father and Jesus. So I know enough to follow what I think is the spirit. So there it is, body, soul, spirit. So she walks in. She's exhausted. And I said, what's going on? And she goes, oh. She goes, every night, about 2 in the morning, I wake up with a demon sitting on the end of my bed. She can see it. She can feel it, wakes her up because she feels the presence and she sees it sitting on her bed, okay? And she says, I wake up terrified, it's there. I do everything I know to do. I say, I, I, I say in Jesus' name, you can't be there. It's still there. Um, I tell you this and, oh, it's still there. And she said, I cannot get it to, to leave. And you know, which we know is not right, okay? But something's not working. So she can't get it to leave. And she goes, and finally, I fall asleep an hour and a half, two hours later, exhausted, doing this warfare, trying to get this thing out of my room. Okay. Well, number one, the best thing to do would say, come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where is he in my room? I tell people, if you have children with nightmares, you know, there's something in my room. Don't discount it. Don't make it big. But just say, well, let's find where's God. Where's, where's Father God? Where's Jesus? Let's, let's see where he is in our room. And then see how much bigger he is. And then what does he want to do with that thing that's in your room? He probably just wants to say, goodbye. Right? And so she can't get this thing to leave. Well, there's, there's reasons, but I don't, I'm, she's not there for theology. You know, she's not there for me to um, do that. She's there to find out what is going on in, inside of her that is blocking the power that she carries and the authority that she carries. Because we were given how much authority? All. All authority, right? Okay. And um, as she's telling me this, she says to me, and I'm, I've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue. And I'm like, well, of course you've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue. You're not sleeping, right? So she's got a couple hours a night that she sleeps. She wakes up afraid. Then she's got all the adrenaline going. And then she falls back asleep exhausted. And her body's on this up and down. And I thought, when people come to us, we do, um, we'll talk a little bit about it 
well, maybe even here, we'll see. We have sessions called body work where we actually help people with physical healing um, that have gone through prayers of healing and have not gotten healed. And we find out perhaps we can pray and see if there's something else we can look for. I mean, it may or may not happen, but people come for that. And um, when they come for body work, I don't start by praying for their body. Why? Because they've been prayed for in their body over and over and over. And if it doesn't instantly happen, they're back under the disappointment. So we need to get rid of mindsets and we need to get faith in before we pray for the body, right? But the first word on my page is body. I'm like, well, I didn't know that before she walked in and it's my first word. So I said, you know what we're going to do? Is it okay if we pray for your body? Because you're exhausted. She goes, yeah, that would be great. And, you know, I just, it was right there. So I had the faith for it. And so I said, okay. And we put our hands on her shoulder and we just, we just said, come Holy Spirit. Would you just something like, I don't know, it was like push out something like that, the, the fatigue. And she said, what is that? And she could feel the Holy Spirit. And he was pushing out the fatigue, the chronic fatigue. And it left after a while, just left off her feet. She was like, wow. From that day on, she's not had chronic fatigue. It was done. Matter of fact, the next day she went and climbed one of our uh, mountains. You know, she was like, she was up on last and climbing and just, she's, oh my gosh, that has never come back, the chronic fatigue. So it was demonic, right? It wasn't just physical. And we'll get into that in a moment as well. Okay. And then the next thing I had on there was mind, body, mind, spirit. And I'm like, mind, you know, that's the mind, will, and emotions is the soul. But I didn't put soul, I put mind. I'm like, okay. And I said, well, I'm going to go out. I said, do you see this? I had the word body on here and that worked. And I said, so the next word on here is mind. You know, I'm like, I'm as confused as anyone, but let's, let's see, this is Holy Spirit led. So let's do it. And I said, is it okay if maybe we talk to your mind, pray for your mind? And as soon as I asked that, I saw Iron Man's mask. And she's like, oh, no, my mind won't talk to you. It's behind all these walls. Right? And I'm like, that's exactly what I see. And I said, okay, well, how about if I talk to your mind and it doesn't have to talk back to me? She goes, oh, okay. I said, okay. Mind, did you see what God just did for the body? And she answers, Yes. And I'm like, mind, would it be okay if we could see if God could help you as well? And she's like, okay, my mind will talk to you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. This is totally not normal sozo realm, right? But I'm from Bethel, so we can be weird, right? And so we just started, and, and I started speaking to her mind. And I said, you know, mind, you've been overworked. And he's like, yes, I have. I said, you know, mind, you have been, when she wakes up in the night and she engages her mind, because we are taught to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So she was taking thoughts captive. This demon really isn't in my room. It's really in my room. Okay. Um, and so she's working with her mind, but your mind does not have authority to cast out a demon. Your spirit has the authority to cast out a demon. Okay. And so what's happening is she's fighting the fight with her mind, but she's not engaging her spirit. And so she's not winning the battle. 
And I had her forget, ask her mind to forgive her. Mind, will you forgive me for making you fight a battle that my spirit's meant to fight? And her mind is like, finally, I'm going to get some help. Okay, I know this is weird, but it's fun because if you start paying attention to it, you see, oh, see, we have a battle. The enemy is, is flinging arrows at you, and it can hit your body through sickness and disease and pain. It can hit your um, soul through the belief system that you have. It can hit your mind, will, and emotions, or it can go after your spirit. Right, which is actually where the spirit realm is residing. The problem is, is that we're triune. It's like trying to separate God. Have you heard, you know, God's like an apple. You know, he's, he's an apple. He's got the skin and he's got the meat parted and he's got the pit. You know, that's how people try to describe for kids, you know, Father God, three in one. But he's an apple. It's like, well, how do I get to the pit? I have to chew through the rest of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. It's a good example. It's the same with us. It's like there is a, there is the ability to see us as three parts, but we're integrated. Yeah, that word. Okay. So what I realized in all of this is we had to wake up her spirit. You know, it says, put off your slumber for the Lord has set you free. I think sometimes that our spirits have been anesthetized. And that sometimes it's like we need to just wake them up because her spirit needed to wake up. When she got up in, at 2 in the morning and she woke up because she felt the presence, she needed to engage her spirit and do battle in the spirit realm. And actually, by the time she left, I saw it like this. I saw um, like there's a shield that he gives us, and it's for the body, and there's a shield he gives us. It's for the mind, will, emotions, the soul, and a shield that we're given for the spirit realm. And knowing which arrows are coming, boom, okay, boom, boom, we can put up the shields, knowing which, discerning what the shot is. Back to COVID. When I was fighting it the first time, there was an arrow coming, and it was called COVID sickness. Ooh, shields up. I mean, I was sleeping. We're going to talk about you know, what you, how you can do this. I was doing all the zinc stuff. I was doing C's and D's and F's and whatever, Z's or whatever, you know, zinc, I guess we were. Okay. Um, and then, but I also knew I could feel that the spirit realm I was getting shot at at the same time. And so my spirit had to do battle as well. It wasn't one or the other. And then the next time when I got the flu from my husband, it was just the virus. So there, it's not always going to be the same thing coming at you. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to, I'm probably hammering this too much, but here we go. So let's look at what your body, soul, and spirit are not designed to do. Your body is not equipped to defeat a spirit or to fight off the lies the enemy is shooting at your mind. Okay? Your mind, will, and emotions, your soul, is not designed to fight off disease, right? And it's not designed to cast out a demon. I'm going to make this distinction. I don't believe your mind can heal you. If it could, it would be mind over matter. I do think your mind can block your healing because of what you believe. Okay? And your spirit is not equipped to heal your body or to change your mind. So we need all three of us, our parts, engaged when we're doing battle. Does this make sense? 
Now, you might not believe me, and I could be wrong. I really could be wrong on this one. Um, I'm probably not, but I could be on this one. Um, because it, it's, it's just this sense of what I've seen. And my brain works formularic. You know, some of you are like, whatever. You know, it's funny. I, I did a conference with Chuck Perry. It was hilarious. Because my brain is formularic, and Chuck Perry's like, whatever. You know, and we were laughing. And he'd get up, and he would tell everybody, there's no formulas. I'd get up, and here's the formula. <laughs> yeah. And then um, he'd come up, and he'd say, I like her formula, but I don't use it, you know, and it was really funny. And I'm like, and I don't, so, you know, we have different ways of engaging in, in this, but this is my brain. And so this is how I see it. What is your body, soul, and spirit designed to do? Your body is designed to house your spirit and your soul. It's the temple, right, of the Holy Spirit. And your body is designed to heal through rest. It's designed by God to heal itself, right? And when you get an infection, what happens? All the little blood cells run to the infection. Your fevers are one of the ways that your body is fighting off the disease, right? So blocking your fever sometimes is not the smartest thing to do, right? Now, I'm not medical, so you didn't hear anything medical in that. Okay. Your mind is designed to take thoughts captive, right? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and right. Your mind is a battleground of taking thoughts captive, right? If you don't, if you check out your mind and you're getting hit by your body, you're just like, oh, I'm just sick. I'm so sick. I'm really, really sick. Well, you're not taking thoughts captive. Your mind says, oh, I don't feel good. And okay, what can we do to take care of this. Your mind engages to give you ideas. Oh, is this where I call the doctor? Is this where I, I take um, vitamins? Is this where I get antibiotics? Your mind is trying to figure this out as well. So don't, you don't disengage because we're three in one, okay? And your spirit is designed to connect you with God and it's to warn us of the enemy's strategies and to engage in spiritual warfare. If your spirit is not engaging, then you aren't battling with wisdom, okay? I think the reason why, and this is very scripture heavy as we get going, in case you're wondering where are the scriptures, I think we misunderstand how to battle because there's so many crossovers in scripture. Because we are three in one, it's like that whole apple, and we're trying to figure out, is it the core that's rotten? Is it the meat that's rotten? Is it the skin that's rotten? We're not sure what's going on. And so because we're trying to look at it, then um, the distinctions are harder. So I'm going to try and pull it apart for you a little bit, and you still might be befuddled afterwards. I'm sorry. Here we go. When we look at this, we look at these scriptures. I've got tons of them here. Look at Psalm 103.3. And I've got them all. I'll read them. God pardons all your iniquities. It's the area of the soul, your sin, right? He heals all your diseases, it's your body, and he redeems your life from the pit, your spirit. He's, he is coming to, to take care of all three aspects of you. Psalm 6, 2 through 3, David says, Have mercy on me, O God, for I am weak. Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Hmm. Vexed means disturbed and terrified. How can your bones be terrified? It's the crossover between the mind, the soul, and the spirit. 
So you can actually be attacked in your body because of a mindset, right? You can be attacked in your body because of the spirit. We'll talk about some of that as we go. When David said, when I stayed silent about my sin, my bones began wasting away. What happened? His sin, his soul, his flesh was affecting his body. There's so much crossover that it's like, I don't know how to fight. I don't know what to do. James 5, 14 through 16. Is anyone among you sick? They are to call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over them, anointing them with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, right? The Lord will raise him up physically. And if he has sinned, they shall be forgiven him. Soul. Do you see that? There's a crossover. Therefore, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. See, the problem is with us formula people is we find one verse in scripture and then we try and apply it everywhere. But not every sickness is because I have sin in my life. Right? Okay. Sometimes you need to renew your mind and confess your sins to be well. But it's not a one-time event. It's not a one purpose fits all. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not of the flesh. Where are they? They're the spirit realm. They are divinely powerful for destruction of fortresses. That's the spiritual realm. And we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking thoughts captive to the beings of Christ. So even in our warfare that is spiritual, we are taking thoughts captive. So our mind needs to engage in the spiritual war because it's going to have the attack on the mind as well. So those crossovers between those realms can confuse us of what, what's the attack and what's the weapons we are to use. Proverbs 4, 24 through 25. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, which is part of the soul, for they are life to those who find them, and they are health to the body. And, you know, here's what I didn't write down, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. How is the joy of the Lord my strength? Well, joy, actually, we find out now all these years later, releases a chemical that actually can help heal your body. I love how science is proving the word of God. I just love it. So the, the, the thing about the overlaps are, are make it even more confusing, doesn't it? It's like if I could find one verse in scripture that worked every time, right? It would be so helpful. But then Jesus has different ways. And even as we watch Jesus healing people, he uses different techniques, which is really helpful, right? So if, um, if you think about that, um, let me see if I have it down here. I don't, I have it. But remember when Jesus said that there was a woman that was bent over and she was bent over with a disabling spirit and he cast the spirit out and she was made whole. So sometimes there is a spirit that you need to take care of in the spirit realm that is affecting the body, right? And sometimes it's, you know, when Jesus would heal people, he'd say, go and sin no more. What's he saying? There's a soul issue that's affecting your and how you are, right? Okay. So if we are to look at this, and again, we're going and going through the book, then if we have three dimensions that we're dealing with, body, soul, and spirit, then there are ways to equip yourself better 
in those areas for the fight, okay? So for your body, one of the best ways to equip your body is rest because God designed your body to heal through rest. I think it's one of the reasons why we are to have a Sabbath. It's to help us rest. It's to let the tension go. It's to keep us from having all of those you know, um, chemicals that go off in your brain when you're under stress. It's like, no, this is the Sabbath. We're going to rest. You know, sugar is not a food group. I know. I love it, too. Matter of fact, it was so funny. I'm working so, I worked really hard at not eating bad food, um, and yet I walked in, and the people before us had left frozen cookie dough, and they said, have what you want. I'm like, cookie dough? This is God loves me. And I had cookie dough, um, my first dinner here. Um, so stupid. I woke up the next morning not feeling well. Well, you know, sugar is toxic to your body, but we live on it. It's in everything. It's in our breads. It's in canned foods. I mean, if you pay attention to helping your body, you need to equip your body well. I think most of us need to stop. And sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Right? It's like, I got to have it. You know, if you don't believe that, try and not eat it. You'll see. Exercise. Proper exercise will help your body. I have a friend that's a physician, and he says, well, motion is lotion. <laughs> you know, as I'm walking around hurting, he's like, get off your butt. <laughs> motion is lotion. Um, proper exercise. Movement, you know, and just sitting all the time um, affects your body. Right? I remember this is probably too much information for you, but um, I would watch my kids um, when they were playing basketball and soccer and everything, and I thought, I am fatter now than I was as a kid, so I have a lot of cushion for these benches, and it hurts more, <laughs> right? It's like, this doesn't make sense, does it? It's like, I have a lot of cushion on my backside, but it hurts to sit on these benches, and it didn't hurt when I was their age. Why? Well, because I only muscle left. Right? It, and so you have to get the muscle so that, oh, I'm just sitting on the bone, even though the cushion's there. Right? And so you have to start paying attention. Maybe we need to exercise. Well, I'm going to guarantee you we all need to exercise, because I do believe that motion is lotion. Now, we don't need to go out and run marathons if you don't want to, but just getting up and moving is helpful. Right? Okay. And obviously, prayer for physical healing. Because prayer brings the supernatural into the natural, okay? But if I get healed of something, it's quite possible I need to change my lifestyle to sustain the healing, right? Um, you know, it's so funny. Here's another story. Um, I'm, I'm just being real. Is that okay? Be real? Okay. So I, I love to run. I, I love to run, but I can't run because I had a knee um, problem back in high school, and it's caused a lot of damage on my knee itself. Um, but I, I still love to run, and um, but I can't. And so um, every so often I try. And um, it was so funny. I was out running with a friend of mine. This is years ago, probably 20 years ago. And I hear, like she's saying to me, really? I can hear it as clear as day. Like she's right here, and I hear, really? And I'm thinking... Well, I mean, I'm, I know I'm slow. I haven't ran in a while, but, and I look at her like, what? She goes, I didn't say anything. I'm like, whatever. And I'm like, whatever. And I'm running a little bit more. And I hear, really? And I look at her. I said, what is your problem? She goes, I'm not saying anything, Donna. 
And I'm like, oh, my body's talking to me. And I, I said, and I'm, as I'm running, I'm like, what? And my body said, could you please lose 20 pounds before you haul your ass around this park? <laughs> so I stopped running. <laughs> But it makes a difference. I mean, 20 pounds while you're trying to work out is a lot on the structure of your body, right? And so for me to, to try and run, I have to be less weight than I am, right? And so there's other things you can do. One, you can try and lose weight, which is really interesting for me to do. Um, or you can adapt your exercise, right? Okay. So don't just get up here and think, yeah, I'm going to run a marathon. You may, but don't start there. Right? Start by getting up and moving every time the TV has a commercial. That's a really good idea. And don't just go into the kitchen and grab chocolate chip cookie dough. All right. All right. Are we okay? You okay there? Okay. Water. Water is huge for the body. The body needs tons of water. So um, actually, one of my um, no longer interns, but Debbie, that you guys met the other day, who's out at the table, she's a specialist in um, taking care of yourself. And um, so if you have questions, just ask her. She'll be like, Donna, you told them again, right? Because yeah. um, she actually has her own wellness clinic. So she has a real idea about, and her number one thing will probably be how much water are you drinking and get off the sugar. Trust me. Yeah. Here we go. Just um, so if you don't want to know that, don't ask her because that'll be the first thing. Okay, how much sugar are you eating? I'm like, oh, and it's so funny. I'm eating the cookie dough right in front of her. I haven't seen her in like nine months, and I'm like, dang it. I'm so busted. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the mind, the will, and the emotions, the soul. I think the number one thing you can do to equip and help your mind, will, and emotions is the Word of God. Ruminate on it. Um, it says, you know, my, um, David says to his son, my son, you know, put this on your heart. Put it as a tablet on your mind. You know, read my words. And so as you just ruminate on it, now I get up in the mornings and I put it on um, audio, audio Bible now. And I just hear it and hear it and hear it. Now, there is something about learning. The more senses, right, that you can get in the same learning, um, the more it, it sticks. And so I've started to, I, I was doing that because I'm busy in my world, and I was listening, 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 and then I realized, okay, I need, if I could get a second thing in, so I now have my Bible next to it in the same version, and I listen to it and read along with it. So I've got two senses at the same time. It's why trauma is, can be so difficult, because if you have a lot of senses that happen at once, then it's a stronger trauma. So if, if I'm, okay, I'm, I don't want to, we don't have any kids in here, I don't want to freak anyone out, but let's say you're raped. If you're raped and the person smells really bad, that's a third part of the trauma. Because you've got the physical effect of the rape. You've got, if he's talking to you about, you know, what a horrible person you are, you're hearing that's the second part. If, you, if there's a smell or maybe you're in a musty area and, you know, that, that in, in 
includes more of the trauma. Does that make sense? And so if we want to look at it in a good sense, how much more can we get in the Bible if we have more of our senses? Okay. So I can't stand incense, you know, but some people say, yeah, I light a candle and, you know, I love this smell. It's a rose or it's something. And then I read the Bible and, you know, and they're not like incanting or doing anything witchcrafty, but they're, and I think, oh, what you're doing is you're getting another sense involved in your Bible study. Yeah, I don't know. Just a thought. I, I don't do it. Don't, don't want you to think I'm chanting or anything like that. Okay. Prayer helps renew the mind, right? And so many times we have fear or we have that selfish ambition. We talked about that. And we start our prayers with that. But as you begin to pray, as it starts shifting your mind, if you can get to that seat of love, then it will actually change your outlook even before you hear the answer from God because you've shifted your mind. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm going to pray for her, that God will bless her. God <laughs> says to me, BS. And, and I say, God, I'm angry with my wife, and I'm really not happy with her. Mm-hmm. And this is wrong. Forgive me. And it goes away, and then I can pray. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yes, because you started in anger, okay, which would be um, either fear or selfish ambition. Because our anger, a lot of times, is we're angry because we're afraid. Okay, or we're angry because it's not going our way. So you start your prayer with one of those. And it's not that you can't start that, but you better get to the seat of love. And so the repentance puts you on the seat of love. No, it's not wrong to, I mean, we need to be honest with God. But um, as soon as you can, get to that seat of love. And so when we bring those things to the Lord, because he already knows it. It's like you're not fooling him, right? But the minute you, you get that, I mean, you can even start with, God, I'm so mad at my wife. I'm so, I cannot believe she did that again. All right, God. Okay. Show me your heart for her. Because it's obviously not mine. Right? And it shifts us. And then that becomes the place where God can actually answer correct you know he's always going to correctly do something but we can see it from the perspective it puts us in that place in the throne room where we can hear correctly yeah very good okay um fellowshipping with people with like minds can renew your mind i was reading a book um, called the other half of church which i don't want to be negative but it's it's really dry because um, I don't feel the spiritual realm on it, but it had really good information. You know, it's kind of one of those things where, and he says, we don't change because of rules and regulations. You can for a while. It goes back to my husband's thing where, you know, that um, technique will never overcome belief. At some point, you will return to belief, right? He says, this book, it was when it's, I just clicked in my brain. He says, we don't change because of rules and regulations. You can for a while. You can um, adhere to them but you change because of who you love. And the whole part of church is we're trying to tell people to change, but we're not communally loving. 
And we change because of who we love, because we see someone that we love and we want to be like them, right? And that's where we have the lasting change. So fellowshipping with like-minded people. If you don't believe God heals, hang around people that see healing. It will change you because you will see healing and you'll be like, I didn't believe that. So I'm either wrong or that's a lie, but that person couldn't walk and now they're walking. I love it when the blind man <laughs> gets brought before the, the council and, and they're like, tell us how this happened. And he says, I don't know. I was blind and now I see. Yeah. yeah. At, the, at this point, I don't even know who healed me, right? And he goes back and Jesus finds him. He goes, oh, it was Jesus that healed me. And they're like, you can't really have had that happen. He says, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I was blind and now I see, Right? I, I, I hate, I, I, okay, I'm sorry, Lord, hate's a very strong word. I'm very, very, very uncomfortable with evangelism on the streets. Oh, I, I just, I cringe when I have to say hello to people in church that I don't know. I can do it as a speaker. I can do it because I put on my, okay, I can do this, right? My husband is very pastoral. He walks around, hi, how are you doing? I hide behind him. Hi, you know, how are you doing? Um, it's the most uncomfortable part of the church service for me is turn around and meet somebody new, right? And it's just the most uncomfortable thing for me. And some of you are like, what an idiot. I know, but it is uncomfortable for me, right? So I, you guys know Chris O, Chris Overstreet? So I thought, I got to get over this. So I went out with Chris O on the street and hid behind him for the whole night. Um, that man is a rabid evangelist and he's not afraid of anything, Right? And so I was like, uh, as uncomfortable as it was, I'm like, I've got to get over this. So if you're, but it, getting around people that have different mindsets that you, that you know, it's like, I need that mindset. You got to start getting around them, right? Declarations change your mindset. We have a book out there, um, the 90 days of declarations, but there's tons of amazing declaration books. Begin declaring every day because it changes your mind, right? The, um, the world has this sometimes in movies when people have really bad self-esteem. They'll put things on their, their mirror and say, "You, I am this, I am that, you are great, you know? Um, and that works for a while until something comes in. If you don't have God attached to it, something will come in and then you'll be like, and I'm really not that, right? So um, declaring what the word says about you, declaring what the word says about God, declaring what the word says about people around you. It will change your mindsets, okay? And of course, worship. Worship totally helps our mind. Why? Because it disconnects your mind. And it takes your mind off yourself. I've heard people say, if you are really struggling um, with feeling um, like nobody loves me, you know, maybe you've got the victim mentality, then get out and do something for someone else because it'll help kick you out of, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's like, um, and it might be, well, I get to do something, you know, but whatever it is, it shifts the self-pity and it helps you begin to help other people. Is this making sense? And always take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Your mind is, is geared to do this. Okay. It looks different in different situations. Taking thoughts captive can be, I just loved how Bill said that. It's like sometimes the seed on the ground, you have to flick it away. Taking thoughts captive is in shifting atmospheres is you have a thought in your head that you didn't have before, and you're like, yeah, I just don't believe that. Yeah, 
Good try. Not gonna, not gonna. I mean, I was on an airplane years ago, and this guy came with his little Jewish cap on, and instantly I heard, Who does he think he is that he can wear that? Does he think he's better than me? And I'm like, I know that's not my thought. So I'm like, no, I come, I just, I just say, no, I'm gonna flick that off. But for me, it's like, oh, that's the broadcast. So I began releasing the other, and I said, thank you so much for our Jewish brothers. Thank you so much, Lord, that, you know, for a race that you chose, right? And I began just declaring that because I knew other people were hearing that same broadcast, right? And then your spirit. I have been teaching for years, and I've been saying this. I think the least used gift of the Spirit in the Bible is discernment. (laughs) And I'm like, we need to get our discerners on, and we need to turn them on, and we need to pay attention to them. Now, you 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 can have a wrong bent in your discernment. Your discernment is not for punishment. Your discernment is not to expose. Your discernment is to help you to be aware of the battle, right? So it's important that we understand that. And so discernment is the number one gift needed in shifting of atmospheres, right? Because you have to discern, oh, that's not me. And then what is it? And what am I sensing? What am I feeling? But I think in the spirit realm for your spirit, you've got to get gain more in your spirit realm discernment. And you can do this, and you can fuel your spirit through the Word as well. As you're reading the Word, have, I know you guys have had this happen. You're reading the Word, and you've read it a million times. If you're like me, you've been a Christian a long time, and you're thinking, I've been through this Bible so often, and then something jumps out at you, and you're like, I've never seen that before. Or you can listen to Bill Johnson and think, I've seen this verse, and I've never heard it like that before, right? So you can fuel your spirit with the Word of God. And it's funny because sometimes you don't. Sometimes and you don't feel it. Like you're like, okay, I'm reading the same thing and it doesn't jump out. But I like what Bill says too. He said, you know, do you remember what you had for breakfast last Thursday? You might not, but you know you ate. It's the same thing with the word of God. Sometimes you don't know. It's like, okay, it's like oatmeal, 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 oatmeal. And then all of a sudden something pops out and you're like, well, I don't know, but I am feeding myself right? I have a friend that's a brilliant Bible teacher. Oh, my heavens. He actually went to, um, he's from the UK. What is that very famous university, you know? Oxford, I think. Oh, he's just, he's brilliant. Um, Anyway, I could be wrong, but it was crazy. And so he's, he's got charts and he's got this and he's got that. And we're, we're, we did the gospels and I was just like amazed and maybe want to go back and reread everything again. And now he's doing, um, he's the life of Paul and we're on Galatians and, and he's just going through, we're going to read this. And, and I said, what's our homework? You know, I'm so excited. I'm so busy, but I'm like, what's my homework? Cause I'm like, and he's like, okay, you're supposed to go through Galatians and I want you to read it out loud. And then I want you to read it. And I, cause he's trying to get both. He wants you to read it out loud so that you're hearing it and seeing it, right? And then he's got all these charts, and I'm like, okay, we're going here, and we're going here. You know, I, I didn't really care where Paul went around the world until this. I'm like, oh, now I get it. You know, I never saw this one little piece because he's such a good Bible teacher, right? Um, and the excitement about that is it's feeding my spirit again. It's like, oh, I get it. And it's coming alive. And he said, one of the things he just was telling us, I want you to read it, and I want you to read it in as many versions as you can. 
And so I, I have it on here, and I was listening to it today, going over and over and over it. And I'm reading English Standard Version. And it's funny because they have different voices. And, okay, so here we are today. You know, and then the Passion Translation, the guy's very passionate, you know, and I'm like, okay. Um, and so I might not use those versions to teach, but it does give you different information and a different viewpoint, right? And I love languages, and so I have a, a Spanish... Uh, English Bible, and so I was reading it in one or the, you know, the other, because that's another version, right? Because for me, when I'm translating, I'll read the, the foreign language first, and then I'll, I'll look back to see if I'm right. But sometimes I get a different thought in that because of the way they've translated in the other language, right? So there's other ways to do that. But it's, it's, getting, um, it's getting information in your mind, so it's helping restore your mind, but it's also feeding your spirit. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And I remember years ago, it was such a grace of God. Um, I, was, I was sound asleep. I was like so excited. My kids were maybe fifth grade and second grade. And, you know, I was sleeping. It was probably on a, I don't know, maybe even a holiday. I don't know. And I'm just sleeping. And I hear the Lord say, get up now and read your Bible. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't want to do it right now. It's not because I don't love the Bible. It's just like I'm sleeping. I have kids, and I'm sleeping, and I'm enjoying this, and the sun's coming in on me, and I'm like a cat, you know. I just love the sun coming in. Like, I, I would, if, if I don't feel good, I'll find some place, even if it's on the carpet where the sun's coming in my room, and I'm just like, like that little cat, you know. Um, and I'm like sleeping, and he's get up now and read the word. I'm like, oh, crud. So I get up, I'm obedient, I get up, crawl out of bed, he goes, turn to Job. And I'm like, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, you lying spirit. I'm like, I'm not reading Job because I know this book, you know. And he said, turn to Job now. And I started reading Job, and I'm just like, oh, no. oh I mean, I'm just thinking the whole time. You know, of course, and then the fear went away because I know I'm doing what God's asking me to do. I said, I don't know what you're telling me, Lord, but okay, and I'm reading Job and reading Job and reading Job. And all of a sudden, I get this thought that we live until he takes his beloved home. And the Lord said, okay. And I shut the Bible. I, that's not in Job, right? It, it's live and While I'm reading, my stepmom has passed away and it was a blood clot. We had, I mean, it was a total, no one would have known that but God. And I, I, to this day, I'm so grateful to the Lord because if I hadn't known that, what settled in my heart is that she was his beloved. And if I had not known that, I would have questioned, was she saved? You know, and we had prayed for her. And, and years later, you know, 20 years later, my dad says, what did you pray with Nancy for that night? It was like a week earlier, my husband and I got out and did some social stuff with her. And um, I said, why? I, I don't remember 20 years later. And he says, because that night before she died, like a week later, um, she had said, um, I'm okay if I die now because I'm okay. I didn't tell me that for 20 years. I would have been so mad at him had the Lord not given me that assurance. I knew, oh, so in the middle of trauma, in the middle of, out of nowhere, I have now a 16-year-old sister that I'm starting to homeschool and I'm trying to do all this stuff. I knew she was his beloved and he took her home. That is the, the word of God that's alive, right? 
So it's so important that we chew on this, that we, even if you, oh, it's oatmeal today, it's oatmeal today, it might be oatmeal for three weeks, but you're eating. And finally, you're gonna find that raisin or cranberry in there, right? Without sugar. She said with brown sugar, and that without sugar. And worship, you know, obviously worship fuels your spirit. Why? Because it gets you out of your mind and onto God, right? Um, and there's levels of worship. There's different types of worship. You know, there is, um, there is music and words that actually make you think you're amazing, right? Oh, I'm amazing because God chose me. And then there's worship that makes you think you're amazing. So, I mean, there's, there's different, and you need both, right? You need the excitement of, yeah, I'm amazing because of who I am. You need that. Um, but you also need to make sure that you're also remembering that he's amazing. And that's, that's important. And I'll tell you what, what fixes my spirit faster than anything else is speaking in tongues. And it's because it totally disconnects the mind. So I will start my prayers and I'll be like, God, I'm, here's an example. Like, God, I, I have these bills. I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I've got all these bills. You say that, you know, you have a cattle on a thousand hills. I could use some cattle right now. I, um, I wouldn't even mind if you'd give me a hill. You know, I, let's see this thing, you know. Okay, God, and I just have all these bills and I don't know what I'm going to do. And sure about the Okay, Lord, and, and, and your promise, and I've seen you come through in many places of my life before with other people. And You know, it shifts something inside where your spirit engages. Right? And your mind stops telling you he won't come through. Right? So there are ways to equip ourselves to do the battle. Okay. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 tells us, Take up the full armor of God, that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand, stand firm. Having girded your loins with truth, okay? having put on the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith, which which you are able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Bill said, some people are like, how do you know if you've got all your armor on? He said, I never take it off. He said, I go to bed with it on. You know, he's like, we don't have to just put the, it's not like heavy, clanky armor, right? It's like we, we sleep in it. We eat in it. We play in it. We goof off. And, and it is always to put on. It's like, no, keep it on. But if you've left something off, get it back on. Right? Because in each of these places, you're guarding your body, your soul, and your spirit. Okay. The whole idea of this is to understand what you're fighting and to ask the Lord. If you get sick, Lord, is this just a flu? You know, you might not know. It's gonna, it takes time to learn to hear and to understand. Is this just a flu? Do I, do I feel sick or do I feel sick? Okay, if you feel the weight of the sickness, it's not just a flu. That's one way to say, okay, I need to pray. I need prayer. 
I think it's always good to pray anyway if it's just sickness because God heals it. Are you understanding me? It's like, but here's the arrow coming at me. Is it just coming at my body? Okay, then I need to equip my body for the battle. If it's coming at me, but there's another one coming at me here, and it's my mind saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Okay, then it's a mindset that I have to take a thoughts captive of and say, wait a minute, this is not unto death right? Or maybe there's this sense coming at me here, the spirit that's coming at me, and it's a spirit of death coming at my body. Then I need to cast it out, right? But I'm not going to cast it out by sleeping. I'm going to get healing, and my body is, is engaged in healing as I sleep. But if there's a demon attached to it, my spirit needs to rise up and do battle. Okay? Very important. So let's take a moment, because I love to make this connect you. And we're going to do some prayers. Okay. And I want you to think of the battle that you're in now. Just pick one. You might have a lot. Just pick one. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, is this battle against my body? Holy Spirit, is it just an attack against my body? If you heard yes, then say, what do you want me to do? He might say rest. He might say move. He might say liquids. I don't know. He's the great physician. Okay, say, Father God. Is there a mindset attached to what's hitting my body? Oh, that would be a yes for most of us. I can feel that. So, Jesus, what lie am I believing? Say, I hand to you this lie. What truth are you giving me in exchange? And Jesus, is there a spirit attacking my body? Oh, Then wake up your spirit and say to your spirit, wake up. Yeah. And have your spirit tell that spirit to leave. Say, go in Jesus' name. Yeah. Can you see how these things are interacting? Okay. Let's do this. I want to say, Jesus, is my body mad at me? <laughs> if you heard yes, stand up. <laughs> Jesus, why is my body mad at me? 
you need to ask your body to forgive you for why it's mad at you. Say, I ask my body to forgive me. I'm sorry, body, that I've been angry with you. And I ask you, Jesus, to remove every word curse I've spoken over my body. I'm sorry, body, I haven't taken care of you. And I ask you to forgive me. Body, do you forgive me? If you heard yes, sit down. If not, stay standing. This is really fun when we ask people about pain because pain leaves as you do this. <laughs> Did anybody feel pain leave? I mean, we didn't talk about the pain. No? Okay. All right. So I have my team go around I have, yeah, and just lay hands on you if you're still standing. But just say this because sometimes the body um, is, doesn't believe you. Like you ask it to forgive you, but your body's like, yeah, right. You're just doing this because she tells you to. Okay. So just say, body, what do I need to know? And then as, as you hear it, begin to reconcile with your body. Maybe your body says, you know, I'm just being silly about this, but stop the sugar or let me rest. I think a lot of times as Christians, we forget that um, we should rest because we're so excited and, and all of the spiritual stuff. But we remember that our body houses our spirit and we have to have the body for the long run, right? So we can be as spiritual as we want, but if our bodies aren't, are all broken up, we can't actually take them anywhere, right? So then say this, say, come Holy Spirit. Release my body from self-hatred. From fear. I hear the word disillusionment. Yeah. I forgive the world for telling me what my body should look like. Oh, there we go. I see that there's someone in here who's standing in front of the mirror and you see yourself, I think it's called dysphoria, you see yourself different than you are and there's a hatred that you have towards your body and you just need to let it go. So release it. Say, I release that and give me proper eyes to see. So now say, body, will you forgive me? I heard a little bit of joy, so there's some bodies are just laughing right now, like, finally. Yeah. If you heard yes, or you sensed it, leave, like not, not your body leave, but if you sensed <laughs> it, the mindset, then go ahead and have a seat, and we'll go from there. Okay. All right. So if you're still standing, you're going to say this, because we asked if the body was mad at you, right? Say, um, say, Jesus, have I been mad at my body? 
and ask him why. And then begin to release forgiveness. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> She's got it. Whoa, there we go. About the half. <sighs> Say, body, we're going to change this. We're going to start working together. You are not my enemy, and I'm not your enemy. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you put your hands on your minds if you're, and just say, mind, I'm so sorry. I've been overworking you. I've been making you do the job of my spirit. And I've been angry because it hasn't worked. But today... I'm increasing my spirit realm. And I'm waking up my spirit. Put your hands on your belly and say, Spirit, wake up. Take authority, Spirit, over my mind, over my body, so that my mind and my body get the benefit of my spirit warring with wisdom. Okay, have a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Whew. Okay, that's the end of the morning session. And then how long is our break and then we're back? Okay. Um, whoa. Ah, yes, I love it when the Holy Spirit's working. Waha. How many of you could feel a shift? Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let's just take a moment because the spirit's moving. Whoa. Just. Wow, wow, wow. I felt that earlier, like about three minutes ago that joy was going to hit and it hit you too. So, whoa, who needs joy? Everybody's like, we need joy. Whoa. Yeah. If you got the joy, put your hands on the people next to you and just release, release. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Isn't it fun? Um, the other thing I learned in that book is to change your pathways in your brain and how that emotions are pre-verbal. And so to change pathway to joy would be in the morning when you first wake up to put in your brain something that makes you smile. 
because the smile changes something chemically in your body. So I have a grandbaby. So I just put his little face in my, and I'm like, but a lot of times when we're trying to build new pathways, oh, we are actually instantly going, thank you, God. Like, thank you for my grandbaby. No, and he said, no, no, no. Emotions are pre-verbal. Sit with the emotion of joy, okay? And for like 30 seconds, a minute, and then begin to thank him so that you build a new pathway because the emotion comes before the verbal kicks in, right? And it worked. It worked. I, I have seriously never had a default of joy until about 40 days after I started practicing that. And now it's like default, and the default is joy. So you can build new pathways in your brain. It's God designed this to happen for you. Yeah. Okay. Woo. <laughs> All right. I would say um, it's easier for me, maybe not you guys, if we don't take long, because then we can come back, finish, and be done sooner. Okay. So maybe it's 11.33, maybe 11.45. Is that enough time? 11.45, we'll start again, and we'll have one more, and then we'll break and have it for um, after dinner, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So in about 12 minutes, we'll be back. I hope you guys are having fun. I'm yes. having fun. This is actually my favorite part of the whole conference in the sense of um, equipping you to fight your battles correctly. This is, um, I think, one of the best parts of the teaching is it's the rubber meeting the road. And it's like, how are we going to take care of this? And so um, I'm going to, to do this. We're going to pray some stuff. We're going to figure it out in our heads. And then we're going to break and we'll be um, back at after dinner. So um, let's just take a moment and say, just say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you know what I have need of. Mind. Pay attention. Pay attention. Body. Body. We'll get up soon. Get up. <laughs> and spirit. spirit. Absorb, what Absorb what is true. Yeah. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, guess what? You thought this sermon was for you. But it's really for me. <laughs> All right. So we're, we've been going through the book, and in the book we're on chapters 4, 5, and 6 now. And um, the verse that I want to bring up from chapter 4 is Galatians 5, 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And I love the fact that it, in Scripture it says in Galatians, it's like if you continue to um, fuel the Spirit, you won't fuel the flesh because they are diametrically opposed to each other. I think that's really fun. In um, For chapter 5, the verse is Matthew 7, 18. Uh, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Ooh, so here we go. This teaching actually is going to help us to understand 
when we get the battles and we get even more technical, this is my brain going schematically down, okay? Um, am I dealing with an issue of the flesh or am I dealing with an issue in my soul? Okay, it's, they're, they're both mind, will, and emotions as a soul. One is called a flesh wound. One is called a soul wound. It's important to understand because you battle them differently. How many of you um, counsel people? doesn't have to be a real counselor. Yep, you may. How many of you mentor people? Okay, how many of you are befuddled that the exact same thing you... Yeah, yeah, me. How many of you that you say, I don't know why this person isn't staying free? I give them the same information I give the next guy. What is wrong with them? Maybe it could be here. Okay, so this is going to be fun. I'm going to start with this. Isaiah 54, 17 tells us that no weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me. Okay. When you're doing battle... Like, think of that friend that you're helping. I know, even though it's about yourself, right? It helps us to understand, okay, this is really about that person. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that when you're dealing with the battle of staying free, you can have some different issues. One is, is it a demonic influence? Is there a demonic influence that we need to break over this person in order to help them get free? Is it a flesh wound or a soul wound? So let's look at this. Again, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And, you know, when we see that, we're like, oh, my gosh, the enemy's roaming around. I thought it was so funny the other day in my therapy class. Um, one of my therapists said he thinks he is, he's the roaring lion, but he's not the lion. And I just thought, oh, that kind of puts it in perspective. He roams around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he tries, the whole thing that the enemy, Satan, did is he tried to be like God, right? But he's no match for God. I think it, who is it that says it? Um, was it C.S. Lewis? I'm not sure if C.S. Lewis said it first, but it says that, you know, at best, this war between Satan and the and us, right? The best is Satan and an archangel. He's not Satan and Jesus, right? There's no comparison. At best, it's these guys here fighting, right? And so um, we need to understand that he is roaring and roaming around, and he's seeking whom he may devour. So we need to be on the alert, and be aware. It frustrates me when people have their head in the sand and they think, oh, there's no war, there's no battle. And then they're, you know, their head's in the sand like the ostrich and their butt's getting hit, you know, with these. And they're like, where'd that come from? You know, and you're like, dude, the enemy is shooting at you. And if your head's in the sand, you're not, you're going to get up and you're going to start fighting people because you're not understanding where it's coming from. Right. And if you take that further down, you're going to start getting mad at God because you feel like God's the one shooting at you, right? Because you're not paying attention. So we are to be sober and alert. Okay. So if it's possible, let's look in a spirit of addiction. Okay, let's just look at addiction. And um, we'll kind of be funny in some of this. Um, I love French fries. I love French fries. It's almost an addiction, seriously. Um, I like potatoes in almost every form, right? And I 
absolutely love French fries. Okay, so if I have an addiction on me spiritually, then I can do all these other things and it will still handicap me from my freedom. Okay, so if you're dealing with the spirit of addiction, like we have an addictions program at Bethel, we have um, alcohol, drug addiction, and sex addiction programs. And to watch, if you don't deal with the spirit of addiction, it's not a fair fight. Does that make sense? It's like you have to be aware. There could be a spirit attached to this thing. And um, we need to understand not to shrink away from the fact that there's a spirit. It shouldn't scare us because why? We have authority. How much authority? All authority, right? But we need to help people out. So if you don't want to deal with the spiritual realm, you're probably going to have a hard time with your mentors staying free because you've got to help them by getting those spirits off of them. Different ways to do it. They, you can cast it out, yes, okay? But then don't forget, when you cast it out, you got to put something else in. And what do we do when we cast it out? We need to get rid of why it was there. If it's simply an assignment, if there's an assignment coming out to for addiction, I'm just going to use that as an example. There's an assignment in the assignment of the enemy roaming around like a lion. I'm going to stick the spirit of addiction on this person and stick the spirit of addiction. And you start maybe for the first time, oh, I think I'm going to try a drug. And then you're hooked, right? Because there are some drugs that you take it once and your body's chemically hooked. Okay. You need to break the spirit of addiction and you need the body to be flushed out to get the chemicals out of the body, right? There's two things. But just getting the chemical out, if the spirit of addiction is still attached to you, you will return like a dog to your vomit, right? Okay, so it's important that we understand we command it out in Jesus' name. Now, maybe it isn't just an assignment happening and you decide, well, I think it's going to be fun. I'm just going to go out with my friends and I'm going to start having drugs. And you opened a door on your own. You've invited the enemy, right? Then you need to repent. The person has to repent. Say, I, I ask you to forgive me, God, for opening a door to the spirit of addiction. Then you command it to leave. Does that make sense? I just have to say this because I have to say this. When, you know, it was two years ago that New York did full-term abortions and made them legal. Okay? Then COVID hits, and all these deaths happened. And I posted something that one of the pastors told me to take down. Um, and I said, you can't invite the spirit of death to play in your playground and then tell it what it gets to play on. <laughs> and they're like, you're saying that God did this. I'm not saying God did this. I'm saying you did this. The leadership opened a door in New York to a spirit of death and then said, come play with our babies. Oh, but you don't get to play with the other adults. That's not how this works. You open a door to the demonic and he just starts playing. Right? So it wasn't a wrong post. It just probably wasn't well said. Um, but so that's what I'm thinking. So if, and so all, really all they had to do was repent. I ask you, God, to forgive us for opening, for us, opening a door to the spirit of death by you know, full-term abortions. And then they could command it to leave. Right? Okay. da 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 da, da. Moving on. <laughs> In that sense of, I'm, I'm looking at my notes to make sure I don't skip things for you guys. 
it, you know, we have the confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So that is that sense of confession. Like, I'm sorry, God, I opened the door, command the door to leave. And then the spirit has to leave. We have found so many times people ask us, I don't know if you're a deliverance ministry or not. Because, you know, we don't roll around on the, well, some people do, but not often anymore. People roll around. We don't let them barf. We're like, we don't do throw up. You know, we don't do that. Um, you control yourself. You're fine. Um, but they're like, well, I'm not sure this is a deliverance ministry because it's so gentle. Well, once you get rid of the reason why the demon is allowed to be there, it has to go. And so it is gentle unless you're trying to cast it out before you've gotten rid of all the reasons, right? And so you can do it either way. You can command it out and then put in truth, right? And that can be a battle. Or you can get rid of all the lies and then cast it out, and then there's no fight. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So there we go. The other thing to remember is with the shifting of atmospheres, that a lot of the spiritual realm is talking to you even if you're free and you can think it's you. So I, want, I teach in the men's purity group usually once a year. And one of the things that I say is I walked in the first time this happened. I walked in and it was so funny. I have my shirt buttoned all the way up. You know, I'm not wearing any makeup because I'm in the men's group, you know, and it's, it's um, for sex addiction. And, you know, and I had a male intern when I went. So he was, you know, kind of keeping me. And I walk in and I just scan the room. And um, I just said, guess what? And the guys are like, I don't know what a woman's doing talking to us about sex addiction anyway. I said, guess what? And they're like, what? I said, a third of you should not still be in this room. And I kid you not, a third of the guys leaned forward like, what is she going to tell us? So because a third of you have already been delivered of sexual addiction, and you know it. You felt it leave you, but you've walked through sexually charged atmospheres, which is everywhere in our world, and a thought came to you or a picture came to you, and you went, oh, I'm not free. And now you've returned back to bondage. You just need to shift that atmosphere. You just need to say, no, I see your perversion. I'm free of you, and I'm not going to partner with you. But if the enemy can get you to, oh, no, I'm not free, then the lie opens the door. And you can see the guys are like, oh, thank God. Because we have to understand that not every thought in your brain is yours. Right? When Cain slew Abel, um, Father God came to him, and you know, of course he said, you know, this blood is crying out. What have you done? He said, sin is crouching at your door, right? This is before he killed him, and you must master it. And to me, the broadcast of the enemy can be that sin crouching at my door, and mastering it is changing the channel. So if you've gotten free of something, and, then, and you're totally free, and then you walk through this, this atmosphere, and you're like, oh, no. The first thing you need to do is say, wait a minute, I see you. I'm not going to partner with you. That's the old me, right? And this is who I am. And you'll watch it bounce. And you're like, oh, that was the enemy trying to bait me back into it. Okay. Here we go. So what happens if it really is you that you're fighting? <laughs> That's what we're doing this time. What if it's not the spiritual realm? What if it really is you? You know, that friend that you're mentoring. Okay. Well, it's important to understand that you need to understand, is it a flesh issue or is it a soul wound? Is it flesh wound or soul wound? Because you will fight differently depending on what it is. 
I was read, I was trying to understand this again through Sozo. I'm like, some people stay completely free. They never have to come back. And then some people keep returning. And I'm like, what is going on? And here's the tools I know. And why isn't this working? And then I'm thinking, okay, it's like there's two different things going on in the battle here, but I didn't know how to put words on it. And then I was reading a book by Marilyn Hickey, which was so fun. I got to be on her, her show. Um, oh, I have to stop the story on this one. So she's doing my book, Overcoming Fear. And she's, she, had, she was 89 at the time. She's 90 right now. And she's like, yeah, you know, everyone should get this book because we all have fear. She goes, I remember the time I was in, I don't know, Turkey or Palestine or whatever. And she goes, and 50 people said, you know, they had covenanted to kill me. She goes, I was a little afraid. <laughs> I had my sozo face on. I'm thinking... I would have been terrified, you know, and I'm the author about overcoming fear. I just thought that was hilarious. I, I was a little afraid, but God, you know, and I'm just laughing. I'm like, wow, girl, you know, anyway, general right there. Okay, so she, in this book called Devils, Demons, and Deliverance, so it's an older book, it says, you will know the difference between a flesh wound and a soul wound. Remember in my brain, I'm trying to figure out what's the difference, not, I didn't have the words for it. She goes, because a flesh wound, you will know by how you act. A soul wound is by how you react. So a flesh wound is, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have. Now, the hard part with the flesh wound is it can also be empowered by the spirit. Because the spirit wants you to react like that too. But the flesh is, I got to have french fries. I love french fries. And there's not a spirit of french fries out there, right? <laughs> Although I think there might be. There just might be. No, there's a spirit of addiction right, that might come on me for the french fries, okay, but I'm pretty sure I've broken free of the spirit of addiction, right, in that area, so I'm like, okay, so now I know I want french fries, I want french fries, so if I go somewhere, I want a french fry, it's my flesh, right, and we joke about saying no to the flesh, it's like, that's my flesh, but what happens if I've been losing weight, I've not been eating french fries, which was a while ago, and I'm doing really well, and then someone says to me, wow, you know, those pants look a little tight on you. And then I go out to eat, I'm going to order french fries. I don't want the french fries, but I have opened a door through my soul. There's an, because what happened is when they said, oh, you know, you're, 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 obviously you're saying, oh, you're looking heavy, right? It's like, well, then why am I not eating my french fries? So there's a difference between I want the french fries and I respond out of pain to the french fries. How about this for married couples? <laughs> it's really funny. So my, um, we used to raise guinea pigs. And when the, the male is chasing the female, he purrs. You know, so my husband sometimes purrs. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I get it. That's the hint. It's just so funny. So in my brain, when I talk about this, I think of the, the guinea pig purring, you know, anyway. So, so let's say, um, as we're sitting here, um, uh, let's say that I'm, I'm a husband and I'm, I'm thinking, ooh, it'd be fun to be intimate with my wife. Now, I don't struggle with um, pornography. I'm doing fine. And I, you know, kind of come up and I start purring, you know, oh, you know, and I start saying to my wife, ooh, and then be fun. And the wife's like, oh, a headache. Again, right, another headache. And what happens 
I, if, if I'm the husband, if I don't know what to do with rejection, it might spur me towards pornography. It's a soul wound, not the flesh wound. The flesh wound is, I'm watching pornography no matter what, because I want to. And the spirit world will be, God, I have the pornography. That would be the spirit on top of it. But if I'm like free of it, but then I don't know how to handle the rejection, then I open a door. It's not my wife's fault. It's an issue inside of me that needs to heal, or I will continue to reopen that door. Does that make sense? Okay, remember that friend you're helping? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Again, Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Man, if you're struggling with flesh, tongues, speaking in tongues, baby. You're like, man, we're going to talk about standing when you're dealing with the flesh, and you have to stand. Sorry, that's how it works. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18, therefore take up the full armor of God. We already read this. It says, so that you will be able to stand. Stand firm, therefore. When you've done everything to stand, stand firm. I've done everything to stand. He's like, stand. I'm standing here. Stand. You know, it's like one time Bill said it was so funny because if you are opening a door to sin and you're just willfully sinning, take your hand back and let go. <laughs> you just slap yourself. It's like, come on. If you if you are just all about your flesh and you, you, you're like, I, I, I just want this, I want this, you're going to have to deny it. Take up your cross and follow. I mean, I would love to tell you I can snap over you all I want. If it's a demon, it has to bow. If it's your flesh, you have to crucify it. I'm sorry. That's how it works. Put on your big boy pants <laughs> or girl pants. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of forfeit fortresses. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I would say this. The number one weapon, if you're battling your flesh, will be the weapon of obedience. We have been harmed by people that we've had to obey. And it has put a shield up against obeying. We Maybe you had strict parents. Maybe you've been in churches that have you felt abused by. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, you're telling me to obey, but I don't trust you. And so we've let go of the weapon of obedience. But obedience is one of the greatest weapons when you're battling your flesh. And you're going to need to put it back on. Cy Rogers, was he just passed away, I think, last year. But one of the things he talked about is um, that, like, the couple of weeks before he was going in to get a sex change operation, Jesus himself showed up in his room. And he was mad because I hear later more of the story is he had planned it, he was ready for it, and then, like, his insurance wouldn't go or there's something that's, that blocked him. He was so angry, and he's complaining about it, and then Jesus himself shows up in his room. And took away the desire for the sex change operation. 
but he didn't take away the desire to have sex with me. And he had to fight that. That was his flesh. So God took away the spirit, the realm of it. He could see clearly, but he didn't take away his desire because he had inside of him, he had a, a deficiency that he wanted to be filled and he, he was trying to fill it in a, in a wrong way, right? And he would say to God, when he'd see someone come by and he goes, oh man, I want that, but I want you more. That's denying the flesh. It's not saying, oh, no, I don't need that. I don't want that. No, that's, that's delusion, right? And then having it just kind of this thing that's revving up. It's like, no, I want that. I want those French fries. Every time I see someone going by the French fries, I'm like, French fries. But I want you more. Or I want to fit in my pants more than I want those French fries. Does that make sense? It's like there's, you have to deny your flesh. I'm sorry. How many of you understand this? How many of you guys have been Christians? You know, there are places you have to just deny your flesh. It's like, yeah, I would love to eat all that caramel and chocolate, and, and I, I want health more, right? Okay, I'm getting, going on with you guys. So be honest with God when you're battling your flesh, okay? I want us to understand. People say, yeah, but I can't do this. I, the flesh, it's like, I, I just want, I want, I want, I want. I said, no, I understand it. Now, again, I joke about it as French fries, but I think about it as addiction, the pornography. It's like that is so rampant in our world because you can get it anywhere, right? You can get it on, on your phones. You can get it on a billboard. There's, you know, um, my kids would watch cartoons and Victoria's Secret commercials would come on. I'm like, what the heck is that doing on Saturday morning? right? It's indoctrination. It's like there's stuff happening out there. And I was like, I can't, I can't fight. I, I need the French fries. I need them. I need them. But actually the truth is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're not a victim to your flesh. Pull your hand back and let go. <laughs> Matthew 19.26, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. The power of Jesus in his name, we go before the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. I don't care what you want in your flesh. Jesus understands, right? But we have one who is tempted in every way, every way, just as you are, but he did not sin. It has to be possible. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. It's like, God, I want this, but I want you more. So Jesus, oh, help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me to stand. I'm standing here and I'm, I don't know if I can do it. He says, stand, therefore. Number two. Second thing you may need to do when biting your flesh, you need to erect boundaries. It's, an, it's the second great weapon. Obedience first. I, I want this, be honest. I want you more, so I'm going to stand, and my knees might be shaking, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you stand, and if you start in the spirit realm, it will ease the flesh because they are opposed to each other. Worship. When you want that thing, when your flesh is in worship, when the flesh is going tongues, when the flesh is going, read the word, do whatever you have to do through sweat and tears to stand when you've done all to stand. Okay. 
and you might need to erect some boundaries. My husband has a great teaching called What My Pastor Never Told. And I love it because he says, and in the front of it is a bird coming out of a cage. And he says, my pastor never told me is that there's a difference between freedom and liberty. And you're like, I'm free, I'm free. The demon's off. I'm free, I'm free. I don't have an addiction. I don't want french fries anymore. No, I want french fries. Freedom is the escape from. Liberty is the ability to choose in your freedom properly so you don't return to bondage. It's why recidivism is so high when people get out of prison. If you don't change the people you're around, you will usually hook back into the crime and the addictions that you do, right? Because you haven't got the liberty to stay free. Does that make sense? You have to make choices in order to stay free. And I like to look at this. It's long, but Proverbs 7. It's a very famous chapter about the man with no sense, right? The boy who goes out. And I want to read it, and I want you to pay attention. When we think of Proverbs 7, remember, it gets to the end, and he goes with the harlot. But I don't think he lost it there. I think he lost it somewhere along the way. Think about what your flesh wants. French fries, pornography, um, sugar, (laughs) whatever it is, or anger, whatever your flesh wants, vindication, right? And think about... We don't usually lose it when we erupt. We lose it somewhere before that. And I want to look at this just quickly. We don't know where he loses it, but let's think about this. My son, keep my words and store my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. All right, let's get down to the end. And it says, and all of a sudden, he follows her. And he does not know. This is uh, 21, with pervasive words, she leads him astray. And 22, all at once, he follows her. This is where we think he loses it. But maybe he lost it up here because he didn't keep his commandments. Because wisdom, it says right there, will keep you from the adulterous woman. Do you see what I'm getting at here? See, we look at the outcome of sin and we're like, oh, terrible you and you should stop right there. But maybe maybe my boundary is way back here. Maybe my strength and who I am is not strong enough in my liberty to be out there. And maybe as I start to break free of a cycle of addiction, maybe I need to have a boundary way back here. And I tell you, as a mentor, you can't tell them what their boundary is. You need to help them discover where is your liberty um, strong enough to keep you from returning to bondage. Does that make sense? Okay, let's keep going. Well, maybe maybe he, he is keeping the word, and, and maybe, maybe he's doing fine, and he thinks, oh, I'm good. And at the window of his house, I looked down through my lattice, and I saw among the simple... I noticed a young man with no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction in her house at twilight as the day was fading. So maybe his liberty was okay here, but now he's gone out at night. And maybe he loses it here because his liberty isn't strong enough to keep him from the rest of what's going on. Make sense? Okay. 
And then it keeps going. And then a woman comes out to greet him and she starts seducing him. So maybe he can go out at night. Maybe I have enough liberty to go out at night. But when the woman comes up to seduce me, well, you know, in this situation, um, maybe that's where my liberty isn't strong enough to say no. As a mentor, as a pastor, I don't know where your boundaries are weak. You know that. And so if someone comes in and they're like, I'm doing great, I don't have a desire to sin, I'm in the word, I'm standing, I, I, I just feel like I'm doing great with, with this thing with my flesh, but oh my gosh, every time I'm around this person, I feel this desire. Oh, you need to change your, the people you're around because that person is drawing on you to the old flesh place. Does that make sense? Okay. So we don't know, and you can keep going. Maybe maybe you can, seduction, and you're like, yeah, whatever. I see you, seduction, spirit of seduction. I'm not going to battle you. Even though the flesh wants it, I know this is a spiritual thing. I'm good. But then you get to the next part where she actually continues to entice him and continues and starts saying all the reasons it'll be okay and he won't get caught. And he follows her. And then 22, all at once he follows her like an ox to the slaughter, and he does not know that it'll cost him his life. We don't know where this young man lost it. I think there's a lot of people that lose it because they don't stay home at night. Okay? There's, I mean, for me, I don't eat french fries at home because I don't, I don't fry stuff at home. So number one, that's a really easy boundary. If I'm jonesing for french fries, I don't get in the car because if I get in the car, McDonald's. Yeah, totally not real good food, but french fries. Right? So, I mean, there are, there are ways to help you when you're trying to stand, when you've done all to stand. And one is the weapon of obedience, and one is boundaries. So, my story, um, I, I love naps. I love taking naps. I can fall asleep. I can wake up 20 minutes later, like, revived. All my life, I have loved naps. Um, one of the things that's interesting about my brain is it doesn't usually turn off. And so when I sleep at night, I have the most fun dreams. I mean, I'm like Superman, I'm like Spider-Man, I'm Wonder Woman, I'm rescuing, I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm telling my girlfriend about this um, one time, just like 15 years ago. And I've been a Christian a long time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I had so much fun. But I always wake up tired when this happens, because my brain doesn't hit that sleep, right, that you're supposed to hit. And she says, you look tired. And I said, I know, but man, I had the best dreams. I was dreaming about rescuing children. You know, I was like prophetically declaring where they were. And I was, I said, I was having so much fun. And she sat there and she goes, Donna, she goes, so all night long, you dream about this stuff? I go, yeah. And she goes, I can't do that. And I'm like, oh, bummer for you. It is so fun. And she goes, Donna, that is a spirit of fantasy. And I'm like, uh, you did not just say that to me. And the minute she said it, I knew it was right. But now I'm held accountable. Okay. So let me back up. So from the time I was a little girl, I could, I, my brain just did this. I mean, I just loved it. I loved sleeping. And I'd watch a movie, and then I could replay it in my head all night long. And, um, you know, when you're a little kid, it's innocent, right? And then you get a little older, and, you know, you start watching some things, and it starts becoming sexual. And then I became a Christian, and then I partnered with the demon in a Christian way, and I just changed it so that if it started to become sexual, oh, we don't do that because I'm a Christian. 
So we Christianly partner with the demons. <laughs> and then I got to the place where the overwhelming thing, I'd be in this movie and, and I would be this person and my husband would be this person, but it was definitely my husband because, you know, you're not supposed to have an affair. And so my husband would be the face of the person I'm having sex with in my dreams. Because that's okay because it's my husband. Well, no, it's not okay because it's not us. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just being real. I had, and then, you know, as I got even more mature in Christ, we just, I just never let it go to the sexual realm, right? It's like, you know, you get to the place where you are really good at keeping the demon over in the corner and letting him play only on the screen. That's not how it works. <laughs> he decides he wants to play on the Ferris wheel, okay? So when she said that, I thought, oh, my gosh. I have been partnering with the spirit of fantasy for probably 50 years, 40 years at the time. And I knew I had to let it go. i tell you something. I didn't like letting it go. My flesh wanted to dream. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to, I, I, I knew it. I went home. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I have no idea that I partnered with a fantasy spirit. I just thought it was my brain. I thought this is how it worked. You know, and I just thought everybody did like this. And, you know, and, and yet I had only two God dreams in all those years. When my friends were having great God dreams, I, was, I didn't have, I had two, and they were both warning dreams, right? Well, because he couldn't talk to me because I've got my own stuff going on, right? They're opposed to each other, right? And so I would sit there and I'd be like, I am so sorry, Jesus, which is how you close the door. You take ownership. I am sorry. I opened a door to the spirit of fantasy. I have fueled that thing. I have thought I was awesome because I kept it... Um, without being sexual for the last 20 years or whatever, but I, I'm deceiving myself. This is a spirit of fantasy, and I repent, and I command you off of me. And i tell you something. I put my head on the pillow. thought, I'm going to have a God dream. No. Two weeks later, no. The most boring two weeks of my nightlife. <laughs> I'm just like, is this the rest of my life? Is this how this works? Now, I, will, I would wake up rested because, you know, you're in deep sleep, but nothing. I'm like, this is so boring. And I would feel the Spirit call me. Come on, come away. Come on, we can have fun tonight. And it wasn't, I, I mean, I knew enough to know we're not going to the sexual realm. I had stopped that years ago. I had a ability to keep it at a certain place in my liberty, Right? But I had to cut that thing completely off. And I kid you not, I would turn my head on my pillow so my husband wouldn't see. And sometimes I would have tears running down. I'd say, I am a child of obedience, and I will not partner with you. No matter how boring this is going to be. I know it might sound weird to you, but this was strong for me. Why? Because I got comfort out of this. This, this made, if I had a bad day, didn't matter. I'd go home and I'd be the star of the team. Like if I had a horrible game, I would just dream about being the star. And I would feel better about myself. That's your flesh. And now you have a bad game and you just had a bad game. And you don't get to change that in your mind. I had to deal with stuff that this thing was allowing me to soothe. Does that make sense? You have to put on the weapon of obedience. Here's the thing. To this day, I don't watch George Clooney movies. I know. 
Some of you are like, I get it. Some of you are like, why? <laughs> ah, I know. I, got, I can see who believes me. I have a boundary that I put up because I cannot watch a George Clooney movie without the spirit of fantasy talking to me. I honestly can only watch probably two of the uh, um, romantic comedies that most of you can watch. I can probably only watch two of them because if I watch any other ones, the door opens. Why? Because there's a rescue. There's something better coming. I can't do it. And does that mean I'm not free? No, it means I'm smart. It's like I know there's a door that is beckoning me and I'm going to keep it closed. But for me to tell you not to watch those movies would be a spirit of religion because it's not the open door that you've walked through. Does that make sense? And my husband will be like, hey, let's watch Ocean, Oceans 1. No. Oceans 2. No. Oceans 20. No. <laughs> I cannot watch a George Clooney movie. I've even watched one where he was a, an, an adult. I thought, okay, he's an adult. He's old now. You know, that ought to help. Um, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. He has an alluring spirit, which has allowed him to do well in Hollywood. Hello? That alluring spirit talks to the spirit of fantasy that I had partnered with, and it's like, oh, yeah. <sighs> you have to know your, your limits. Where is your liberty? My husband and I celebrated 40 years of marriage. Do you know one of the boundaries we put when we first got married? And I don't know if I can explain it really well, but in, in one year's time, my husband cannot go to lunch or dinner alone with the same woman more than twice. His assistant, they cannot be going out to lunch together all the time. Same with me. I can't go out to lunch with, I had an assistant who was a male, and I, I couldn't, if we were alone, we couldn't go out to lunch alone. We'd have to bring somebody more than twice in the same year. Someone's like, well, that's religion. No, actually, that's, that's smart. Because, you know, affairs don't usually just happen just because, oh, I think I'm going to go sleep with that guy. Unless, you know, your spirits are talking to each other. In, in like when you go to a bar, like, oh, I know who I'm going home with. Now that's because that spirit's talking to the spirit you're carrying. I get that. But if you're free of all that spiritual realm stuff, it starts because, oh, someone's listening to my heart. That's 40 years we've done that. And it's not like, and so it's not like we haven't, like my husband called me, you know, probably four times in the 40 years. Hey, this is the third time I'm going to lunch with my assistant. And everybody else bailed. I'm like, you want to come? And I'm like, no, it's okay. You know, so it's not like we can't do it because we honor each other, but there's, there's things that we put up to make sure that there's a boundary so that our flesh doesn't have the bait. Does that make sense? Okay. So you get to understand the flesh. It's like, okay, for me, honestly, if I'm jonesing for French fries, I don't get in the car because my car has a homing pigeon <laughs> right to McDonald's. Only for the french fries and the dollar iced teas. Okay. Right? I'm just like, you have to understand. Now, if I want french fries and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I really do want french fries. Then I get in the car. I mean, it, it, there's, there's not like I can't ever have french fries. But it's, it's when I know that I'm jonesing for it that it's my flesh. Okay? Is this making sense? Okay. Well, we're going to do something with that in a minute. But I want to talk about the next section. Well, what happens if, like I talked earlier, I said, I'm not interested. I'm not even thinking about French fries. My flesh isn't saying, fries, fries, fries. And um, 
someone makes a comment to me about being heavy, and we go out to lunch, and I think, what the heck, I'm just going to have French fries. Talked about it with, with the, the husband that says to the wife, whoo, you know, and it's like, headache. And the husband goes to pornography. Now, he does not want the pornography, but the rejection takes him to pornography. It's called a soul wound. We've stepped out of a flesh issue and into the soul wound. And you can't, they don't fight the same. Okay? If you have a soul wound, she talks about, Marilyn Hickey says, it's like having an open wound. And when someone bumps it, you jump. It's like you, you can't just, it's like someone that keeps pestering you or picking at you or tapping you, you know, and it's like, ah, ah. It's like you can't not react with a soul wound. And the only way to, to be free of that is to get your soul healed. So is that. You have to get healed. You have to find out why do I return. I, I love this. It's, it's very graphic, but like a dog to his vomit. Why am I returning to it? Is it because there's a spirit on me? No, we took care of that. Is it because my flesh? No, we've taken care of that. There is an issue in my soul, and my response is sin. And remember in the very beginning when I started talking a long time ago, one of the things was you can't get bad fruit on a good tree. And you can't get good tr fruit on a, on a bad tree. And then Jesus says in other parts of it, make the tree good. If you think now, now that we can take pictures of the brain, what does the brain look like? A tree. It's got the roots, it's got the trunk, and it's got all this stuff here. I think Jesus is pointing to a tree, but I do think he's saying to us all these years later, you've got to make the tree good. If you can't, if you have bad fruit popping on your tree, you've got a bad tree. And I can pick that fruit as, much, as fast as I want so that nobody can find it, but I'm going to continue to produce bad fruit if I don't get rid of the tree. You have to make the tree good. And that's how you heal from soul wounds. When we are mentoring, find out, why did you sin? Oh, I just wanted it. Okay, then baby, pull your hand back and let go. And stand when you've done all to stand. I can't stand. Oh, I understand that you want those french fries. But you're going to have to stand. Oh, but, but I just can't do it. And, and you know what? I, I get in my car and my car just goes to McDonald's. <laughs> then you need to erect a boundary. Yeah, do you need to, uh, do I need to help you by hiding your keys? You know, I, I tell the men um, in the purity group, and I'm, the addiction program, I'm like, some of you shouldn't own phones because you, you can't keep yourself. Your liberty is not up to your freedom. Some of you can have phones, you know, like some of the guys went out and bought, they call them dumb phones, you know, because smartphones, you know, dumb phones. Um, <laughs> That's kind of funny. I got that from the war room. Um, is there's, there's a phone. You know, it's like, well, this one doesn't hook me up to the Internet. Awesome. Because you know that phone? You don't have to worry about it. It's not going to take you somewhere that you don't have the liberty to do. Hopefully, your liberty will grow. And hopefully, you'll grow more and more and more so that you actually have the ability to have all of the things around you, that you can walk through sexually charged atmospheres and not be pulled. That's the key. That's what we want. But until then, what do you need 
to guard yourself, right? And then they get to the place where, like, <clears throat> I'm doing great. The addiction is, the spirit's off of me. My liberty is now out. I can, I can own these things. I don't, I don't look at the internet. I don't, I mean, it's like it's not pulling me. And you can get, um, I mean, sometimes we have the wives set up so the husbands can't get pornography. And they don't have the code to get it. They're like the child lock or something, right? It's like, it's okay. It's not demeaning. It's like, how can I help you succeed until your liberty is engaged, uh, high enough for your freedom, right? But then the soul wound area is like, we also work with the addiction. It's like, not only do you have a demon and you have your flesh, but there's a soul wound. There's a reason why you continue to go back to this even when you don't want it. And it's usually rejection or boredom for addictions, stuff like that. And it's like, so what's going on? So for me, I was doing great. I was like, you know, I, I'm not partnering with that spirit anymore. I have the weapon of obedience. If, if I go places and I, I can tell instantly if there's a fantasy spirit over a region because it starts talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. Got my weapon of obedience on. It doesn't draw me anymore, right? But then I maybe have a really bad sermon. I know rare. <laughs> But maybe I, I have a really bad day. I mean, I, I know you can't believe this, but I have people who don't like me. And I've had people, like, tell me they don't like me very loudly. And when I was dealing with this, I was fine. I had the spirit off of me. The addiction's gone. Um, my boundaries are great. I'm not watching. I'm not opening doors to anything. And then I have a day where someone is actually yelling at me about how terrible I am, and I get home, and I lay my head down, and it's all I can do not to go away with that spirit. Why? Because I need affirmation, and I'm not getting it in my world, so I'm going to recreate it in this other place. It's the soul wound. So I have to find, I have to be brave. God, why am I needing affirmation in a realm that's not real? What do you say about me? Was it really that bad? He might say yes. But when he says yes, you're not ashamed. He's like, good try. You know, as a ball player, some of the best ball players have like 0.243 batting average. And you're like, well, that's terrible. You should be a thousand. That's not how it works. And sometimes God talks to me in those analogies and he's like, wow, you know, you've done really well. And, you know, that's a really bad one, but not often you strike out. Okay, what do I need to learn? that makes sense? So important. So what I find, and my husband talks about it a lot in The Prosperous Soul, and that's where he says where technique will never overcome belief. At some point, your belief is going to pop out as fruit on the tree. If it's good fruit, yay. If it's bad fruit, you need to find out. Stop cleaning the fruit off the walls and get rid of the tree. What is my belief system that's allowing this bad fruit? because it's there. And it's the only way you're going to actually walk with purity and holiness is when you look at these and you're like, okay, spirit, go. Flesh, die. Tree, clean. Change. So that there's nothing in you that people can poke for you to erupt. So as an inner healing deliverance person, I'll, I'll kind of I have a good story to leave with, but I'm kind of winding down here so you can think, God, if you ever stop talking, um, is I don't think we should continue to 
self-assess, 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 self-assess. I'm like, you become like the one you behold. I don't want to keep looking at me. I want to look at him. And if I look at him, it's not hard for me to figure out where I don't match. Does that make sense? But I'll tell you this. If bad fruit pops on my tree, I'm going to be brave enough to own it. And I'm going to say, okay, Lord, that was bad fruit. What does that look like? Maybe you yell at your kids and you erupt in anger. No, never, right? Maybe, um, maybe you cuss. Maybe a cuss word comes out. Or, or maybe you are drinking too much at night. You know, it's not that you can't drink, but maybe you're drinking too much because you want to escape, right? If, if there's bad fruit, maybe, maybe you steal something. And it's like, I don't know what the situation is, but the bad fruit on that tree, be able to look at that and say, okay, that is not coming from a good tree. So, Papa, what's the tree? Let's pull it out. And it, it comes from repentance. It comes from renouncing. It comes from sometimes getting other people to help you find out where that tree is. Get inner healing. Get the help. If you're dealing with a soul wound, it's not just going to go away when you say, I want you to go away. And I leave you with this story. I was sozoing years ago. I love this story, so I keep telling it. Years ago, I was sozoing, and I was, I was teaching a sozo seminar. And um, I, I made a joke, which whenever I, as a verbal processor, I do pay attention to what I say that I shouldn't um, because I know it always touches someone in this. It's like I'm, when I'm hearing myself and I'm thinking, why am I saying this? I know it's because someone needed to hear it, even though I'm thinking, shut up. Okay. So I'm, I'm telling the story and I'm, I'm laughing and I'm saying, okay, so if you're going to be getting a sozo, you know, um, can we just start with what you don't want me to know? And I'm laughing. I'm saying, because you know we're going to find it. You know, but it would be faster if you just tell me up front what it is so I don't have to spend an hour looking for it. You know, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, why am I saying this? So I get the pastor. He comes in for sozo. Because you know how you said <laughs> that you might as well just start with what I don't want you to know? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, here's the deal. He says, I've been caught in a 40-year cycle of addiction. And it's pornography. Says, and I've decided that God's either going to break me today, free today or I'm resigning. So, so I have a letter on my desk, a resignation, because I cannot get free of this 40-year cycle of addiction. I'm like, no pressure at all. No pressure at all. You know, yeah, come see me and your pastor will resign. That sounds like a great testimony for Sozo. Okay. Um, and so I said, okay, well, one of the four doors we have of the opening to sin is sexual sin. So I just start with the four doors. Okay, Lord, where did sexual sin come in? And, you know, it's, it's Holy Spirit-led, so sometimes you go in the weirdest places, and he says, oh, wow, I see a picture. Okay, now we're in another tool. Okay, we're in a picture tool. Okay, um, what do you see? He says, well, my father has died. I'm, I'm 12 years old. And my brain's, and he says, I've become the man of the house. Well, my brain goes straight into incest. I'm like, oh, here's where the door is. Well, no, none of that. None of that happened, thank God for him. He says, I'm 12 years old, and I'm carrying 50-pound sacks of feed. And I'm struggling under the weight of these packs of feed, but it's my job because my dad's not there. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking letter, desk, resignation, and we're on this stupid sacks of feed. But okay, Lord, here we go. 
And um, Jesus, show me where you were. And he starts to sob. I mean, he is like snot flying, sobbing. He is just like, this is going to be great, you know, because he's just like lost it. And I'm thinking letter, desk, resignation. I'm feeling the pressure. And I'm just like, okay, okay. And he's like, stop. And I'm like, what? He could feel my anxious. And he says, you don't know what this means to me. And I'm like, I have no idea what this means to you. He says, all my life, I fought. I carried those sacks by myself. But Jesus showed me that he put his shoulder under the sacks and carried them with me. He says, I've never been alone. And I'm like, great revelation. What in the heck does that have to do with sexual sin? No idea, but okay. And so he cleans himself up and I'm, I, I'm feeling the pressure, letter, desk, you know, and, and I'm like, but I'm calming down because I know he's feeling that. So I'm like, okay, okay. And then he says, okay, I'm ready. And I said, all right. I had him repeat this. Father God. What in the heck does that have to do with sexual sin? That was the prayer. He repeats it and he says, I get it. He said, it was during that season that I found pornography in the barn. And when I felt too little to do the job, pornography helped me to feel like a man. You, I can't make this stuff up. That was the beginning of his addiction. So... The spirit of addiction came on him the first time he masturbated. The spirit of addiction came on. As an older man, he got free of the spirit of addiction. He, he stood when he'd done all the stand in his flesh. He had just honestly, he, he this sounds funny, beat the flesh. He had, he had actually made it. But every so often, he would open that door back. And the cycle of addiction is like that. It's like um, if you're free from the actual addiction, still the cycle you have to break right? And so he's here, and he's like, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The addiction is gone, so okay, my flesh doesn't want it. And he said, and then somebody would ask me a question, like, why did you decide to do that? And he said, especially if it was my wife. Well, why? Because his mom would be the one to ask him. He said, and then I think, oh no, oh no, oh no, did I make the right decision? Oh, oh no, oh no. And he'd go to pornography to get that assurance of who he was. And when we finished, he sat back and he said, oh, it's finally going to be a fair fight. He's like, because I understand that I can open a door to that again, but I'm not going to because it's been a fight for 40 years. He called me five years later and said, I have never struggled with sexual sin since. Why? Because it had become a soul wound. And you have to heal the issue of the soul. Get rid of the tree, the belief system, the mindset that tells you that's what you need that will make you feel better. Now, that wouldn't be the only issue if he still had a spirit of addiction. We'd have to cast it out. It wouldn't be the only thing if he still was battling the flesh of, I want, I want. But he didn't want. He was ashamed. He didn't want. He wanted to hide that. Oh, my gosh. The 40-year cycle was broken when we got rid of the tree. So when you are dealing with things in your own life, when you're dealing with things with people you're mentoring, ask God for the wisdom. Is there a spirit attached? Renounce Renounce if you've opened the door or just cast it out if it's just on them and they didn't open the door. 
Is it a flesh issue? Then help your people to stand when they've done all to stand. Tell them you've got to have the weapon of obedience. And you might need to put up boundaries until your liberty is to this place. And then you'll know. Because as you're walking people through, or even in your own life, I've tested my boundary, right? Um, it's like, okay, I don't watch romantic comedies. I seriously don't because I'm like, it's not worth the, the thing for me. But every so often I'm with my friends and they're like, oh, let's watch this movie. And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, I'm the killjoy. And all of a sudden, okay, right. And sometimes I'll just get up anyway. Or sometimes I'm like, oh, actually, I made it through that one and it didn't have an impact on me. Okay, then I can maybe have a high, a, a, I can go further out. You can keep extending your boundaries, but once you find, oh man, I watched that and it took me back to that desire for, you know, that spirit starts talking to me, then you know, oh, come back here. Bring the fence back where my liberty is strong as my freedom. And if you're, if all that's great and you are reacting out of something, out of a wound, then you need to heal it. And the only way to do that is to actually have God show you the tree and get rid of it and get a new one in, okay? So we're going to pray. We're going to do some movement. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, is there an area of my life where I am battling my flesh? If you heard yes, stand up because we're going to pray. I'm not going to publicly ask you what it is, so don't be afraid, okay? And I want you to just say this. Say, Jesus, this area of my flesh has brought me shame, has made me hide, but I don't want to hide anymore. I ask you, Jesus, to give me the ability to stand when I've done all to stand. That you would actually make my feet rigid to stand. I break free of the lie that I can't win this. And I receive the truth that with God, all things are possible. I say to the victim mentality, shut up in Jesus' name. I say to a spirit of powerlessness, get off of me in Jesus' name. And I forgive anyone in my life who made it feel unsafe to obey. And if I have let go of this weapon of obedience, today I pick it back up. And I actually want you to reach down like you're picking up a cape and I want you to put it on and say, I put on the mantle of obedience. Which will help me to stand when I've done all to stand. 
And I thank you, Jesus, that I win because you already won. All right, have a seat. We got one more prayer. We have a couple more prayers. I forgot the first one. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Is there a spirit attached to an open door to sin in my life? If you heard yes or sense yes, stand up, because I forgot to do that first. All right. It's okay. This is how we get free. Okay. I want you to say, Jesus, what spirit is harassing me? Say, Jesus, where did this spirit first attach to me? Say, Jesus, I forgive anyone in my life who opened a door to the Spirit. Yeah, we're going to have people come around and just lay hands on you. Yeah. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for any way I partnered with this Spirit. And because of your forgiveness, forgiveness, I command this spirit right now off of me in Jesus' name. You should feel it lift. You should, or it could be saying this isn't going to work. If that's talking to you, you tell it to shut up. And what's really fun when that happens is you say to the spirit, say, you need to go talk to Father God because that's not the same thing he says. <laughs> well, remember, this is not an equal spirit versus God. If you felt the spirit lift or you know it left, go ahead and have a seat. Otherwise, we'll keep praying because I don't want you to leave without that. And I don't want you to... Pretend it left. I want you to be honest. There we go. Okay. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you, I want you to, you don't have to say it loud, but I want you to say it out loud. And I want you to speak to that spirit. And I just want you to say quietly, but on your lips, okay? I want you to command that spirit and call it by name. If it's anger, if it's self-hatred, if it's whatever it is, and just say, I command you to leave me alone in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray right now. Papa, I come against a generational line where this has been on the generational line, and I command it to stop in Jesus' name. We command right now, whoa, by the power of God, we just say no in Jesus' name. You've been given all authority, and I want you to say, I take authority over you, Spirit, and I command you to let me go. 
going to say, come, Holy Spirit. You're the power. If you felt it, lift or bow, have a seat. If not, we'll go a little bit longer. There's nothing wrong with you if it's taking longer. You can just forget that voice. <laughs> Papa, we just speak right now. Um, if, if you're still standing, put your hand on the back of your neck. I'm going to pray and I'm going to clap. Papa, I come to this place where the spirit has been so ingrained that it feels normal, that it feels like your life can't be separated from this thing. And we command that normal to change in Jesus' name. We give you a new normal. We reboot your system. And we command with the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we command you to let them go. In Jesus' name. Whoa. Yeah. Can you feel that lifting off? <laughs> yeah. There it goes. Yeah. And then say this. Everybody who got the freedom say, Holy Spirit. Come. Fill the place where this thing took was dwelt. Whoa. Lord, we speak new truth, new truths, new truths. Okay. Okay. If you don't... Um, if you felt it break, you can have a seat. If not, it's okay. We have a great Sozo team here. Sometimes it's helpful to do it when people aren't watching, so we don't have the, ah, yeah. How did you sleep last night? Come on. Do you mind me asking what's holding on you right now? Yeah. Um, did you ask him where it came in? Okay. Okay. Um, you're still doing. Okay. Do you mind if we ask? We're going to do this both together. Do you mind if we do this? Okay. Um, what was yours? Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. So, what we're going to do then for these guys is we're going to ask Jesus to take you to the courtroom of heaven. Oh, we're going to get some justice for you. Anyone else that thinks you need to be in the courtroom, that's true too. I know that there's a new wave out there with Robert Henderson, the courtroom of heaven. I don't know all that he does, but I don't go to the courtroom of heaven first. I don't think we have to. I think it's a great thing to know, and I think we need to know our authority. But when we get to these places, sometimes it's like, let's get there, okay? I like to see that Jesus does it even outside the courts. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to ask God for some justice for you guys. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to say, the word says, I say it out loud, the word says that if we've sinned, we have an advocate before the Father. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, would you take me to the courtroom of heaven where you stand as my advocate before the Father? <sighs> would you open the scrolls and show me where this verse came in? It's probably generational. Yep. Okay. So say, Jesus, who do I need to forgive? And begin to forgive. Begin to release your forgiveness. It doesn't have to be loud, but it is needs to just be said. Just quietly, you can whisper and say, I choose to forgive this situation. I choose to forgive this person. Say, I choose to forgive them for opening a door to the spirit on our family line. I repent for any way I joined with the Spirit. And I thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Now, Jesus, would you petition Father God to set my family free? Oh. What do you hear, sense, or see? Yeah, balm of blessed white light. Yep. Okay. Say, Jesus, thank you for setting my family free. For fear, you don't get to harass me. And if you come talk to me, I'm sending you back to Jesus. <laughs> come on. Yeah, come on. We'll let my, my intern will take care of the other one. Do you see how this works? It's like if there's a spirit attached, I can stand when I've done all to stand, but I have that spirit oppressing me. You also need to make sure that you get the spirit off. Okay? So we have the three dimensions yet again. We have the spirit, the flesh, and the soul. Again, isn't it interesting how this tri-dimensional thing? Okay, one more prayer. And you guys are, yeah, here we go. Because we've already done the spirit, we did the flesh. And say this. Say, Jesus, is there an area in my mind where I don't want to sin, but there's a wound inside that pops out bad fruit on my tree? If you heard yes, stand up and we're going to pray. That one's hard for almost everyone because it's, it's hard to not see bad fruit somewhere on our trees, right? Think about the fruit that
that God is bringing, highlighting for you. And in this, and you can go home and you can do this on all the different fruit, but we're going to highlight the one that he's highlighting right now and say, Jesus, Jesus. This, bad this bad fruit came from a bad tree. Show me the lie I believe that built that tree. You might need to forgive someone. Maybe they told you the lie. You might need to forgive yourself. Maybe you've told yourself the lie. Maybe the lie simply is you'll never look like Christ. <laughs> and it's just a lie because we are conforming to his image. Put your hand on the back of your neck for me. I'm going to clap at some point. Papa, I ask that you'd come to this place where this mindset is normal, where it's probably been with them a very long time. And Papa, in this place where this bad fruit is popping from this mindset, this tree, show them the mindset, show them the tree. And then I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to sever the ungodly roots of those mindsets. And to give them a new tree built on your truth. A new mindset that only pops good fruit. Thank you for that. Thank you, Papa. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. How are you doing? Oof. <laughs> you didn't know you're getting some sozo at the same time, did you? Can't help myself. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. We're, we've wrapped up this afternoon. We'll be back tonight at 6.30. Awesome. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.